to a Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. This is a little weird to to say <laughs> to say the least. Let's just put it like let's just tell it like it is. Okay, so we're sitting right now in my basement here in Urbandale, back home in Urbandale. Went back home. Um, obviously, the COVID nineteen outbreak school's been canceled. Well, not canceled, I guess, but just just been weird. It's been a weird time to say the least. So no classes are in person. So. I was living up in Cedar Falls for a little bit with my roommates up there, but then I came home for Easter break, and now I'm still here. Went back yesterday to get a bunch of stuff, but we are back. The first Logan Blackman show since before spring break, I believe. How crazy is that to think about? We haven't had a Logan Blackman show show in a fat minute. A very, 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 very long time. It's been weird. I bought this microphone from Best Buy. A few weeks ago, I would say. It was a little bit ago I got this microphone. And now we're doing We're finally using it. Finally utilizing this freaking microphone. We got a green screen. That's back at home. Up in, uh, when, I, when, I say, when I say home, I mean up in Cedar Falls, up at my house, up in Cedar Falls. Not home here in Urbandale. It's up there in Cedar Falls. But we've used it once so far. So it turned out pretty good. I, I enjoyed the video. If you haven't checked out the video with the green screen. Go check it out. We've done a few things since the last Logan Blackman show. Show, I can't remember when was the last time we did a show. I gotta, I'm gonna go on uh, what is it called, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, and check the last Logan Blackman show. Show, we actually did. It was on. If it would load, March 9th. It is April 20th now. A Monday, March 9th was the last Logan Blackman show that we've had. That has been, what, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Six weeks! That's a long long time. It's a very long time not to do the Logan Blackman show. Everyone's favorite radio show. Man, it's weird. It's very weird just to sit in this basement because I'm used to doing it in the the station up at UNI, the 94.5 KULT, everything UNI. But since I'm not doing that today, I'm not there. I don't need to say all of this stuff today, but I'll probably just say it out of habit. And it's going to be weird how I'm going to edit this at the end. And I know this whole explanation is taking a little bit longer than what you were expecting, but it's been a while since I've done this, so I need to to open up a little bit about what's been going on with the Logan Blackman show and what not Sorry for taking such a long break. It wasn't supposed to be like this. I got the microphone, and we were supposed to just go right back into it, but we never did. So, yeah. I recorded, like, a little preview thing a week or, or not a week ago, about, what was it, two weeks ago, I would say, and it just didn't work. I just didn't like it. I, re- I recorded for about 20 minutes, and then I was like, yeah, we're we're done with this. We're done with this, and... I haven't had a lot to talk about, obviously, because it's, it's, <laughs> there's been no sports. Everything's been canceled, so we haven't anything to talk about. But now that we are back here at home, and thankfully, ESPN did the right thing last night. Or just the right thing in general. They, they've had this Jordan documentary talked about forever. It's been a while it's been talked about it's been hyped for about a year I would say this Jordan documentary has been hyped up since last year it had to be since last year and we were gonna we were all excited about it. my family were 
most notably my my uncle and myself are big time Chicago Bulls fans. Lifelong Chicago Bulls fans. Well, for him, I was a, I had a couple weird times in the, my early years of watching basketball. I was a big Steve Nash fan, so I was a Suns fan for a little bit. Randomly, I was a Pistons fan because if you watched that 04 Pistons team, you had to be a fan of them a little bit. Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, Rasheed Wallace. They, you had to be a team of that. You had to be a fan of that team. They were so fun to watch. They were just like the the underdog story. When they came up against Shaq and Kobe in the finals, nobody gave that team a chance. And they came up and won the finals. Ben Wallace was just awesome. So I watched the Pistons for a little bit, and their intro was just so awesome. And randomly, my favorite player, one of my favorite players growing up was Rodney Stuckey, which I don't think you could find a lot of people today that say, yeah, man, I loved watching Pistons basketball. And I loved Rodney Stuckey's game, <laughs> which at the time when Rodney Stuckey was playing, the Pistons were god-awful. The Pistons were like the worst team in the league. They had Will Bynum. Uh, T-Mac was there. If you remember him, he was playing point guard for the Pistons at the time. Who else was on that Pistons team? Uh, Jason Maxiel, I think was his name. Uh, who else was on that? Jonas Rebko was just coming into the league. He was a starter for the Pistons on those teams. Who else was on the Pistons team? I said Will Bynum. There was just a uh, Charlie Villanueva or Carlos Villanueva. I can't remember. One of those guys is a former Barnstormers quarterback. I can't remember which one it is. But one of those guys played for the – I think it's Charlie. Played for the Pistons. He had these long socks and everything. So it was just a weird time in my life. But I'm back on the – I've been back on the Bulls for – I've been a Bulls fan pretty much my – like other than those two random spots with the, the Suns and the Pistons, I've been a Bulls fan in my entire life. Because my great nana lived down in Phoenix, so we had all the Steve Nash books and all that. I did my, I had long hair. I, oh, I still have long hair, but I did it a lot like Steve Nash because I was like, oh, this dude's awesome. He has the long hair too. Sadly for me, I'm not anywhere as good of a basketball player as Steve Nash. But being a Bulls fan, I, I'm sorry for that random tidbit. It's just a, a habit we have here on the Logan Blackman Show, I guess. But through when I was younger... Watching the Bulls, Kirk Heinrich was my favorite player on the Bulls, as most young Bulls fans are. Their favorite player was Kirk Heinrich. They just were bad. They were so bad. And then we had our Lord and Savior, Derrick Rose, get drafted the number one overall pick, and then come in, almost beat the Celtics in the playoffs. A Celtics team with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo, KG, Kendrick Perkins, dominating center in the middle, dominating figure in the middle, Kendrick Perkins. But, man, I just, the, Derrick Rose provided hope for those Bulls teams. And throughout the all the crap that we put up with as Bulls fans growing up in the early 2000s with the drafting of the Twin Towers to trading away Elton Brand to trading away Jamal Crawford, they that Derrick Rose team gave us hope. 62-20, and 20, was the record. Number one seen in the playoffs. Derrick Rose, MVP. Comes against the Miami Heat with LeBron James, Chris Brosh, Dwayne Wade. And win game one. Like, okay, this team's going to the finals. This team is going to the finals. And then they put Eric Spolster's like, hey, LeBron, you need to guard Derrick Rose. And he's like, fine, I will. And then the Heat end up winning the series 4-1. to But other than that, the Bulls have sucked. The Bulls have not been good. In this center, right in 21st century, the Bulls have not been good other than those 
couple Derrick Rose teams. Derrick Rose was like the only player on that team. Love Joe Kim Noah, but if you like offensive players, Derrick Rose carried that team. Keith Bogans started every single game in Derrick Rose's MVP season at the two-guard spot. I don't think Keith Bogans... Keith Bogans is like the perfect Tom Thibodeau player. Not going to do anything, but he'll play every minute. He's like a, a Andre Robinson, or Robinson, however you say his name, played for the Thunder, Tabo Cephalosha. He would have been perfect on those Thunder teams. Oh, jeez. Really good defender, though. Couldn't do anything else. He had Ronnie Brewer, Kyle Korver coming off the bench at two guards, small forward spots. Luol Deng, Carlos Boozer, but, man, they sucked. They have sucked. Other than those teams, the Bulls have sucked my entire life. But if you go back to the 90s, you have the greatest team, teams of all time. The 90s Chicago Bulls make up for the garbage that us as Bulls fans have put up with throughout the 21st century because we can look back on it and go, man, remember those times? And I was only alive for one of those finals. That was the last finals the Bulls won. But the way my parents talk about even my mom. My mom doesn't even watch basketball. And the way she talks about the team. My uncle talks about the team. I'm wearing a Michael Jordan jersey that my uncle gave me when I was, I don't know. I can't remember how old I was. The jersey was massive on me. It fits really good now, but back then I was a lot smaller. <laughs> a lot smaller. Now I'm bigger than both my dad and my uncle. But man, the Bulls of the 90s. Two three-peats. You don't see that anymore. Six championships in 10 years. Six championships in 10 years. And it's crazy to think about because the Bulls at that time before Jordan got there in their mid-80s, the Bulls were garbage again. <laughs> if Michael Jordan was never on the Chicago Bulls, we are not talking about the Chicago, the Chicago Bulls at all. Chicago Bulls are a relevant franchise. Jordan single-handedly turned that team around until they got Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant. The team was garbage. The Bulls were getting sold out. Uh, were getting outsold in Chicago Stadium by an indoor soccer team. That's how bad that Bulls team was early on. You had the likes of Artis Gilmore. You had Jerry Sloan, Bob Love. Like You had other players. You had good players on those Bulls teams. But... As a as a whole, the organization and the team in general were just terrible teams. Good lord, they were terrible. Good lord, how do you get outsold by an indoor soccer team? How does that happen? You are an NBA team, one of the top five pro sport pro leagues in the United States, let alone the world. You're getting outsold by an indoor soccer team. Now, obviously, at that time when the Bulls were at that low point, the Bears were just coming off a Super Bowl. The Bears were the best team in the NFL, best defense, arguably, of all time. You had the Northsiders with the Cubs, Southsiders with the Sox, Blackhawks. The Chicago Stadium was the Blackhawks Stadium. Okay? It wasn't the Bulls Stadium. The Bulls were just in there. It's not like the United Center. The United Center is the Bulls arena. Blackhawks play in there. It's the house that Jordan built. The Chicago Stadium was the Blackhawks Stadium. The Madhouse on Madison. That was the Blackhawks. Bulls just happened to play there. And then you had the indoor soccer teams as well. But man, before Jordan got there, 
It's crazy to think about how bad that team was. It's absolutely crazy to think about how bad that team was. And even post-Jordan, how bad that team was. Man, how do you... I, I The thing... So, watching the documentary, and I'm, I'm assuming that a mass, vast majority of people that are listening to this, or just in the world in general, watched the Last Dance documentary last night. The two-part series last night, and then it got more coming up. And after the first one, you're like, no, they did not just leave a cliffhanger off for another week. They ended up playing the other one, which I was about to cry if they just played that one. But it gives you a little bit more of a a feel for what Jordan did with those early Chicago Bulls team, with him and Charles Oakley on those Bulls teams before they traded off Oakley to the Knicks for Bill Cartwright. But goodness gracious. So after watching that amazing documentary, it's still going to go on. It's got a, got a little bit more to go. We got about, what, eight weeks or eight episodes every week or something like that, ten episodes. I, I can't remember how many it is. It's just long. <laughs> it's just very long. But here's some big takeaways I took from the Chicago Bulls documentary watching it last night. So obviously Jordan is the main cog in the documentary. It's what basically what it's about about why Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. It's basically what the documentary is basing on. But other takeaways I took out of this, and there's a few of them that I could go through here, but the main one that I have on this thing, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you thought the same way, is Scottie Pippen and how underpaid he was. Now, if you listen to what Jerry Re- or um, what Reinsdorf said, during the Scotty Pippen part, which was episode two, so if you haven't watched it, episode two is the Scotty more centralized on Scotty Pippen. At least the early part of episode two is more about Scotty Pippen. So a lot of these things I'm going to talk about right now are going to be mostly about Scotty Pippen and what stood out to me the most because everybody knows everything about Jordan pretty much. Not everybody knows a lot about Scotty Pippen. So with Scotty Pippen signed a seven-year, $18 million contract back in 1991, I believe is what it said. And Reinsdorf at the time said, Pippen, I wouldn't sign this. It's not a very good contract. And after that, the NBA took off, so salaries went up for everybody. And then Pippen was extruded. Reinsdorf made it very clear, as the documentary stated, if you sign a contract, don't come back to me to restructure your contract. Once you signed it, it is done. Don't try and come back to me and get another contract out of me because I'm not going to do it. Once you've signed a contract, that's your contract for the foreseeable future. So as time went on, and as we were entering the 97-98 season of the Chicago Bulls, Scottie Pippen is sixth on the Bulls in pay. Six on the Bulls in player salary. In the NBA, he's 122nd in salary. Now, just picture this. So today, a lot of people, like if you want to compare Jordan and Pippen to a duo that we've had recently, I mean, you could go the probably two ways. You go Stephen Clay or LeBron and Kyrie. Those are like the two big ones. LeBron Kyrie is more like this because LeBron was the be- is the best player in the league. Kyrie, a very, very good option. Best second option in the league. When they were together on the Cleveland Cavaliers for that short time, they were the best one-two in the league. You know, obviously you got Clay and Steph. I don't want to disrespect Clay and Steph, but or KD and Steph, but I'm just going to go with LeBron and Kyrie for this example. So Jordan 
is the highest grossing basketball player of all time. He's one of three billionaires in sports history ever. It's him, Floyd Mayweather, and Re- Cristiano Ronaldo. Scottie Pippen is the sixth best played paid player on his team, 122nd in the league. He's the second best player on the Chicago Bolt, the best team in the league. So imagine LeBron being paid as much as he is, because LeBron, rightfully so, gets paid a lot of money. And then Kyrie Irving is the sixth highest paid player on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and 122nd in the league in pay. How ridiculous is that? There is 30 teams in the NBA. There is five starters on each team, for those of you who didn't know. So there's 60 players. Wait, is that right? No, that's not right. <laughs> I did the math wrong. Oof, this is not show. You know what? I haven't taken a math class in a while, so don't don't judge me right now. This, this is not fair to judge me. There's 150 players that are starting in the NBA. Right now, 30 teams, five starters per team. Yeah. The last night I did, I did very, 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 very wrong. I'm not going to tell you my math that I did last night, but it was wrong. I'll just say that. It was just, it was just wrong. It was just a wrong bit of math by yours truly. So there's 150 starters in the league. There is only, according to that, what, 28 starters worse than Scottie Pippen based off pay? So if you look around the league, and if Kyrie Irving is ranked 122nd in contract, like just comparing it today, so we can talk about players from today, that is like uh, Reggie Evans is somehow getting paid around the same as Kyrie Irving. And I love Reggie Evans, former Iowa Hawkeye, uh, very uh, physical player, would work hard for you, but he's not really good. Shouldn't get paid that high. Luke Longley, and I love Luke Longley, was getting paid more than Scottie Pippen. That is ridiculous. I'm trying to figure out what examples I could use for today, but I can't really think about other players that would be like that. Maybe Pat- Patrick Beverly is paid more than Kyrie Irving. Let's use that as an example so we can use position by position. That is crazy. That is absolute, absolutely crazy. And he knew it's signing the contract. Reinsdorf said, do not come back to me, so he knew what you were getting into. But a seven-year, $18 million contract. That is that's a little that's a little amount for NBA players. And uh, of course, Scottie Pippen's mad because he's not getting paid as much as the peers. And I know people, a lot of people out there, go, "Oh man, well he's just a spoiled brat. Why is he? He's getting paid eighteen million dollars to play basketball. Why would he not like? Well, think about it like this. It's just getting comparative pay to your peers. Scottie Pippen is not the hundred twenty second best player in the NBA. But he's getting paid like it. Scotty Pippen wants to get paid like what? I would guess the top 15 players in the league at the time. That's what you want. Yes, the money is big. It's still $18 million over seven years. But you want to get paid as much as your peers, which is what Shaq got pissed off about with uh, Alonzo Mourning getting paid a lot of money when he was with the, who was he with, the Heat at the time or the Charlotte Hornets? I think it was the Hornets. I think it was the Hornets with Lonzo Mourning. That's why Shaq went up to Los Angeles because the Magic wouldn't pay him. But 122nd. 122nd in the league in pay. That is ridiculous. He's second on the Bulls in scoring, second on the Bulls in rebounds, and leading the team in assists because Scottie Pippen was pretty much the point guard of those Bulls teams. Man, 122nd in the league. Goodness gracious. 100. (laughs) It's hard to wrap your mind around that, how little Scottie Pippen was paid 
during that time. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And obviously, this got brought up last night, but it's been brought up. If you're if you're a Bulls fan or just an NBA fan in general, you've known about this trade for a while. This got brought up on Bleacher Report last night. I got an update on my phone. It was the possible McGrady for Scottie Pippen trade, which was talked about a little bit, which Jordan didn't want, obviously, because he wanted Scottie Pippen to stay with the team. Same with Phil Jackson staying with the team. But if Jordan was already gone or was going to leave anyways, and you're already going to fire Phil Jackson, might as well just pull the trigger on the trade because what if they got McGrady and then you're looking at those post-98 season bulls a little bit differently than what they look at him, what we look at him now. Maybe that worked out. Maybe it would have worked out. But if it didn't, then whatever. But if it worked out, that would have been pretty, pretty sweet. I love Tracy McGrady. Everybody loves Tracy McGrady. It would have been sweet to see him in a Bulls uniform, but I digress. So now we're going to keep going on Scottie Pippen. Another thing that uh, blew me away or took me, uh, one thing I took away from the documentary was Scottie Pippen's rise from small little NAI school in Arkansas. Now they're an FCS school, Central Arkansas. And his rise from team manager to best player to lottery pick. You go from team manager freshman year to a lottery pick. That's not really heard of that that often. It's kind of crazy to think about. And he was smaller. I think he said he was five foot. What 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 size was he? Was he like six foot? Something like that. I think he just shot up. He grew like five inches or something. Played at six foot seven, six eight or something like that in the NBA. He had a similar growth spurt to that of Anthony Davis. Like it looked, it looked like Anthony Davis played point guard. And then started to grow, but still had those guard abilities that he had when he was short. Just transitioned that into him being taller, bigger. And that's what happened there. Kind of like Anthony Davis. Not the same player as Anthony Davis, obviously, because Anthony Davis is a little bigger. But it's kind of, it kind of reminded me of that. But that is absolutely crazy. You go from team manager to people losing scholarships because of bad grades and stuff to eventually getting a scholarship to eventually getting drafted by the Seattle Supersonics and eventually getting traded to Chicago Bulls. Great bit of business there from Jerry Krause to get Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. Horace Grant from Clemson, Scottie Pippen from Central Arkansas, Dennis Rodman from an NAI school. I know he was on the Spurs before that, but you had two players on that Bulls team that are from an NAIA school. Two of the five starting lineup members on that team were from an NAI school, and only one of those players, Michael Jordan, was from a big-time university, North Carolina. Luke Longley's from New Mexico. I think Ron Harper's from Miami, Ohio. Then you have Scotty and Rodman from NAI schools. So you only got these big-time programs there. You got North Carolina, and that's about it. I don't think New Mexico and Miami, Ohio are competing for national titles every single year. Maybe they are. Maybe they'll start doing that or something, but as of right now, they're not. So <laughs> We'll see later. But that's just crazy to think about. Freshman year manager to a lottery pick. Two players in the starting lineup coming from NAIA schools. Crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely crazy. Another thing that I found interesting in this documentary was the cocaine bowls, which I just thought was funny. Like, it went from, <laughs> you, you didn't know, I didn't know about this. And Jordan didn't read the article about it, but the story about going into hotel rooms and doing cocaine smoking girl all that stuff like man so the bulls in the 80s were doing stuff in peoria illinois that wasn't very good (laughs) they weren't good on the court 
And they were doing things that were not very good off the court either. He's like, oh, they had the lines over there. They had the weed smokers over there. They had the girls over there. Man, <laughs> crazy times in the 80s for the Chicago Bulls. The George just left, did his own thing. What did they say? Drank uh, orange juice and Sprite or something like that all the time. So, and it was kind of funny when Jordan was talking about that. I didn't drink at that point as he's got a thing of scotch sitting right next to him on the thing. It's hard to, you can't picture Michael Jordan without a cigar and some scotch every once in a while. It's like an image. It's like as, it's like as, that's like as um, notable as the Jumpman logo. Like anything Jordan, Jumpman, Bulls, scotch, cigars, and steak, and poker, and golf. Those things in baseball. Those are the things that you think of when you think of Michael Jordan. Those things only. Only that. <laughs> but that, that cocaine bowls thing was just crazy. It just weird. You don't think of professional athletes doing something. It probably happens more than what we think. But that's just a crazy example of one that's been brought to the attention of millions that watched the Last Dance documentary. Uh, another thing uh, I loved... About this is how much Jordan and Pippen despised Jerry Krause. How much they hated Jerry Krause. Jordan would make fun. Hey, Jerry, you want to go do layups with us? We'll have to lower the hoop a little bit. Jerry, those shoes or those dieting pills? Like, there's just so many things. Like, they would just say so many things. And Pippen berating Jerry Krause on the bus. Like, they just hated Jerry Krause. Hated him. Jordan's obviously came from when he wasn't allowed to play in a basketball game when they eventually John Paxson. A little side note, thank the Lord John Paxson is no longer in the front office of the Chicago Bulls. Same with Gar. Get those guys as far away as possible. The Bulls might be coming back sooner than what we think, hopefully. But at that time, John Paxson was beloved by Bulls fans. Now he's much hated by Bulls fans. But... I think that's that's when it looked like it started of the hatred for Jerry Krause for Michael Jordan, and then I read up a little bit of story today. Um, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. It was uh, about when they were drafting with Jerry Krause drafting the Bulls team. So obviously you had some good moves. You had the trade for Rodman, drafted Pippen, or not draft, traded for Pippen, uh, drafted. Uh, Horace Grant traded Charles Oakley, got him Bill Cartwright, which fit the team's system better, even though Charles Oakley was Jordan's best friend at the time. But he made some good trades. He made some very good trades, had some good draft picks. But this one I thought was very interesting. So this is uh, so they're talking about how Krause had good draft picks, but he also had some very bad ones. So in 1986, Krause planned on selecting a tall forward named Brad Sellers in an NBA draft. Sellers, Krause reasoned, was too good to pass – too good of a pick to pass up as he handled the ball very well for a big man and also had a solid outside jumper. Jordan, on the other hand, pushed management to take a two-way guard from Duke named Johnny Dawkins. It looked, though, as Krause would take Dawkins even as late as the morning of the draft. The coaches and players had made it clear that they wanted him and not Sellers, and Krause did not particularly have a problem with Dawkins' game. Bulls head coach at the time, Doug Collins, even told coach Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski, the night before the draft that the team would pick Dawkins. However, Krause ignored everyone and picked Sellers anyways and spent the summer trying to sell him to Jordan. Jordan went after Sellers mercilessly in practice, and Sellers was traded after three seasons. He played a total of six seasons in the NBA, averaging 6.3 points per game, 
Dawkins played for nine seasons in the NBA, averaged 11.1 points per game, though he did suffer various injuries throughout his career. So he just, the thing with Kraus that's very interesting when looking at this 90s Bulls, this history of the Chicago Bulls team, is that he just wanted to, his ego was so freaking big that he was just wanting to do anything to get his way. He's like, no, I will prove to you that this is the better pick. Same thing with the whole Hugh, Phil Jackson thing at the end, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But how things went from Jordan wants, the coach wants this, the ownership wants this, but I'm going to draft this guy instead. That doesn't work. That's not what happened. That's not how it's supposed to work. His ego was so freaking big. Like, he was a good GM. But his ego was just so freaking huge. He couldn't get out of his own way 90% of the time. And that's what with the demise of the Chicago Bulls teams in the 90s. That's what led to Phil Jackson being fired. That's what happened to the team being broken up like that. Jerry Krause was mad because he's like, organizations win championships, not teams. He wanted it to be about Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause wasn't getting the the recognition that he was getting. He didn't he didn't feel like he was getting the recognition he deserved for the championships the Bulls won in the 90s. It was all him, not Jordan, not Pippen, not Jackson, not Rodman. It was him, the GM, Jerry Krause. So after the 97-98 season, or before the 97-98 season, which is why this whole documentary got made, called The Last Dance, because Jerry Krause told Phil Jackson straight up, if you go, even if you go 82-0, you are not coming back. Because my ego is so freaking big, you are threatening me. I want more credit for this team. So I'm going to blow this thing up. And he knew, he knew gosh darn well that Phil Jackson, with him being gone, Jordan was out the door too. Because Jordan made it very clear, I'm not playing for another coach. Eventually he did, but that's beside the point. Jordan did not want to play for another coach for the Chicago Bulls. So Kraus blew it up. Traded Pippen. Let Jordan go. Jordan retired, I guess. Phil Jackson went off. Was gone for a year. Went to the Lakers. Won five championships with the Lakers. Just freaking crazy. He just blew it up. And I love the Bulls' attitude throughout this entire thing. At least the players' attitude. Don't blow it up when we win. Make someone take it away from us. When you win a championship, don't just dismantle the entire thing. Keep going after it until someone makes you give it up. Why would you just take it away? Just give it to someone else. That's frustrating. That is very frustrating. I'm a competitive person. I would be ticked. If that's what happened, if I was a part of that team, that's what, it's just so frustrating. How can you honestly go there and go, hey, we're just on our sixth championship in eight years. The two years we didn't win a championship, Jordan retired. So let's just blow it up afterwards. Because my ego is so freaking big, I need to prove to everybody that I'm the reason for these championships. That's so stupid. Keep going after it until you don't win it anymore. If once you don't win a championship, then you can blow the whole thing up. If you keep winning, why stop it? Don't stop it until someone stops you. That's the whole point of this 
thing. And if you look at the record from the Bulls' time after Jackson, Jordan, Pippen, everybody left on to 2003-04 when Crouch retired, the Bulls went 62-20 and in their last championship season, 97-98. First in the Eastern Conference. First in the league, I guess, because they won the championship. 98-99. 13-37. 15th in the Eastern Conference. 99-2000. 17-65. 15th in the Eastern Conference. 2000-2001. 15 and 67. 15th in the Eastern Conference. Worst winning percentage out of all these teams. 18.3% winning percentage there. 2001, 2002. 21 and 61. 15th in the Eastern Conference. 2002, 2003. Oh, we're getting upright. We're going up now, boys. 30 and 52. We're not last in the Eastern Conference anymore. Now we're 12th. And then back to reality 03, 04, 23 and 59. 14th. In the Eastern Conference. Why did you blow it up? Just because your ego is so freaking big. That is so stupid. That is the dumbest thing in sports. The Bulls have been known to have a terrible or be a terrible organization. Egos all over the place. Heck, John Paxson and Gar Foreman have been around since I've been alive in the Bulls organization. They've been good, like, four years since I've been alive. <laughs> Look at those early Bulls teams. They had Elton Brand trade them away. Got Curry and Tyson Chandler. That worked out fantastically. Then you got Kirk Heinrich, who was awesome for a couple years. And then he got relegated to a bench roll once Derrick Rose came in the league. But, man, you go from 62-20 and 20 to the last year of your reign as GM, 23 and 59. It's basically the record flipped on its head <laughs> than your last year's GM. Man. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Six championships, eight years, all for naught because my ego's too big and I can't. It's my re- it's I'm the reason we won. Feel bad for Tim Floyd though. Got to feel bad for Tim Floyd. You walked in Knowing that <laughs> you were going to replace him. You knew Jordan was going to be gone. You knew Pippen was going to be gone. So you just got handed a bad team and you just couldn't do anything with it. And that's another stupid thing about them, ha- Jerry Krause, having J- Tim Floyd there while Phil Jackson's there. He invited Phil Jackson. He didn't invite Phil Jackson to his daughter's wedding. He invited Tim Floyd to the wedding. <laughs> oh my God. This is so fun. The whole thing is just funny. The biggest takeaway I got from this, I cannot wait for next week. It's going to be awesome. When this thing drops next week, it's going to be insane. When After the first episode gone and they ended it with the Alan Series project, and they just went to black. I was like, no. They did not just end it right there. And then I clicked guide and was like, oh, okay, we got another one right here. We got the Scottie Pippen story. But man, I cannot wait for next week. Loved every second of watching that. It was awesome. And I cannot wait for the more more times we get to watch this. Even my sister watched it. She could care less about basketball. She actually says she hates watching basketball. But you know what? That's captivated America. Because it's Michael Jordan 
and the greatest team of all time. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll be back, uh, and we'll go over the NFL. we got some new uniforms coming out. The Patriots released some new uniforms today. The L.A. Chargers are coming out with new uniforms tomorrow. So we'll break down, we'll rank the new uniforms that have been released. I think it's just the Patriots, uh, the Browns, Falcons, and Bucks, and the Chargers. Has there been any other uniforms that have dropped? I'll have to look this up. During my like however long break it is, because you won't you won't know. It's just a podcast now. It's not a radio show, so there's nothing really to listen to. I'll throw a little comebacker in there when I come back. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break, rest my voice for a little bit. We'll be back to talk about some NFL stuff, uniforms, draft on Thursday. Can't wait for that. All that more coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show here in uh, beautiful Urbandale, Iowa. In the in the basement of my house here in Urbandale, uh, it's nice. It's a nice day, and we didn't do this at the start of the show. I kind of forgot about it. I think now I'm thinking about it. We didn't do our we our our thrice weekly weather report. How silly of me! So right now we'll do Cedar Falls and Urbandale. So right now in Cedar Falls, if you're listening up there, it's 61 degrees, mostly cloudy, a little windy up there. High of 64. Today's gonna be 55 tomorrow. And thunderstorms expected on Wednesday with a high of 69. <clears throat> and right now in Cedar Falls, there's a 10% chance of rain. Air quality is good as always. Feels like 55. And right now here in Urbandale, where we are recording the show, it's 59 degrees, partly cloudy, high of 64. Rain expected Wednesday as well, the high of 71. Tuesday, will, tomorrow will be 62 degrees. Yeah. 59 degrees right now here in Urbanville. Feels like 55. 10% chance of rain. Air quality is good. Very similar to that of Cedar Falls, Iowa. And as we said before I took my little break or whatever. So during my break, I guess, because usually I just sit at the station, listen to tunes or whatever. Google stuff, go on Twitter, social media before we come back on the show. I went upstairs and wrestled with my... Little tiny Cotton de Tulliar dog. She's seven months old, I believe. Six or seven. I think seven months old. Yeah, that sounds right. And she's hyper. She's very, 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 very hyper. And so I had to push her around a little bit. She bit me a couple times. So I'm a little in pain. She got very sharp teeth. She's a very tiny dog, but she got very sharp teeth. And she's very hyper. But she's always a lot of fun. And before we dive in to our... Uh, uniform rankings, I guess. Just the new uniforms. I'm not going through the entire league. I'm just going over the teams that release new uniforms, like the Patriots, Bucks, Browns, Falcons, and I guess the Colts. I, I forgot they released new uniforms. I guess they got new logos and stuff. But before we do that, I got to say happy birthday to one of my childhood friends, Aaron Petrini. It is his birthday today. He turns 22. And it, it's kind of funny. We never believed him. That his birthday was on 420. If you don't know what 420 is, look it up. I don't, I don't really need to explain it right now. But we never believed him that his birthday was on 420. Never, ever really believed him until you get like, he talked to his mom or something. But it was so hard to believe, like, yeah, his birthday's on 420. And he's from, he's from Colorado, which makes it even funnier. But, yeah, happy birthday to Aaron, if he's listening to this, which I, I think he is. He's one of, he's been... I think he's the most, not think, I'm pretty confident he's the most loyal Logan Blackman Show supporter out of everybody outside of my parents and some family members, but 
Happy birthday, Aaron. Hope you have a good day in quarantine since nobody can since we can't do anything today. But back to my uniform rankings. Now we had some new uniforms, as I said, for like the fifteen hundredth time. Patriots, Bucks, Browns, Falcons, Colts all released new uniforms. I guess you can call the Colts new uniforms. Got new logos and stuff, which the alternate logo for the Colts. I I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the C with the state of Indiana in it. I mean it's alright. And I liked the closer text of the old Colts logo. It just looked like, just felt like the Indianapolis Colts. Now it's all spread out a little bit. I like the Bucking Bronco one because that's the historic logo, obviously. And then you got the, the the helmet logo they got now. It's just the horseshoe. But do we count the Colts as new uniforms? I mean, they added new things to uniform, their uniform, but it's really new. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little hard to tell. <laughs> we'll count it. We'll count the new uniform, I guess. Because I guess it technically is a new uniform. But, <laughs> man, it's just weird. It's just it's just weird. I don't know if I like the the law. The, the bigger text is weird because I'm so used to it being so, like, close together. They have the name Colts. That's just what I'm used to throughout my life. and Everybody's life, pretty much. It's always been that close blocked lettering, but now it's all spread out. They must be taking the six feet apart seriously for quarantine. <laughs> Corona joke. <laughs> nice. But now back into the uniform rankings. So the the rate the before we go into the rankings, let's go over what each team did to their uniforms. So the Patriots released theirs today. On Patriots Day, had to release new uniform. Makes sense. Uh, they didn't really change anything. They kind of they just made their color rush uniforms. Their official uniforms, which, to be fair, their color rush uniforms are much better than the uniforms they've had in years gone by. There are uniforms that they've had I've never been a fan of. I've never liked them. Never really liked these uniforms. So it could just be me being biased. But they had the silver line on the shoulder. They had the weird double red stripe in the middle or, like, down the side. Uh, I don't know. I just never really was a huge fan of it. It's like there's too much – There's not a lot going on, but there's too much going on at the same time. And it just bothered me. The pants, like the, the dual stripe down the... I don't know. I just never was a huge fan of them. I like the color rush uniforms that the Patriots have had. Cause they're a lot more simple. They're actually cool. They do look like Virginia Tech's uniforms. Someone made a joke about that on Twitter today. I think it was a Bills fan, of course, making a joke about that. But now their away uniforms are also the color. I was interested to see what they would do with this. Because the Cleveland Browns last year, if you remember this last year, their primary uniform, their primary uniforms were their brown color rush uniforms, but their away ones were still their away uniforms from the past. So they had two different uniforms, pretty much. But the Patriots went on and added their color rush uniforms away jersey. They made a color rush uniform for the away ones, and it's got like a red and blue stripe on the shoulder. The numbers got red outline, blue, navy blue numbers. I dig them. I like them. I like the navy blue pants as well. I was tired of the silver pants that the Patriots always wore. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the all navy blue look as well. The home uniforms just look a lot more simple. It's just cool. I like them. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of them. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the next one, or not next one, but just I just pulled up uniforms on here. I'm just clicking next, 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 next on my new uniforms thing. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Falcons. So we'll we'll stick with the division. The NFC South, we'll just go with the division here. Let's start with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, prior to this year, had the worst uniform in the NFL. The worst uniform in the NFL. It's not even close. 
really. I ranked uniforms last year. Went through the top five best uniforms, top five worst uniforms. And the Buccaneers were number one, I believe. I don't have the list on me right now, but they're bad. They were bad. They had so many different things going on. The numbers were atrocious. The numbers were terrible. That was the the main thing. They have like little like digital numbers. They got like little lines of the numbers. They're not even really white. I don't know. They're trying to throw back with the orange cream sickle uniforms. They're throwing a little dash in the uniforms. They got whatever color you want to call that. Gray, black, a lot of it on the uniform. Like the jerseys are just bad. The old ones were just bad. I hated these uniforms. I never thought they would should change. From the Brad Johnson era of Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys. That's weird calling it the the Brad Johnson era, but that's what I'm going to call it. The Mike Allstott era, the Warren Sabre era, whatever you want. John Lynch, Derek Brooks, whatever you want to call it. I'm calling it the Brad Johnson era. They should never left those uniforms. So, the Buccaneers did the smart thing. What'd they do? They went back to the Brad Johnson era. And Chris Godwin, being a great person that he is, respecting the Buccaneers' history, decided to honor Brad Johnson by switching to 14. That's not why, but that's what I'm going with. That's the story I'm sticking with. I really like the new Buccaneers uniforms, especially the home ones. The red jerseys are back. They're just plain red jerseys. There's no orange in there. I hated the orange uniform. I cannot invent, like, there's photoshops of Tom Brady wearing those disgusting Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms from the past few years. It doesn't look right. The Buccaneers uniforms they have now are normal. They're actually good uniforms. The home ones are awesome. The away ones are just sleek and clean. Like They're just all white. There's no extra things going on there. Like You look at the ones, the away ones from years past. There's too much going on. There's nothing going on here. Like It's just sleek. It's just cool stuff. I think if I remember right, is it the boats back on the side? Yeah, they got the boat back on the side because I think they said bucks on the away one. Yeah. So, that's good. And they got this weird off-colored alternate uniform, which a lot of people seem to like. I'm not a huge fan of it. Just a lot of that. I love the home, and I love the away one. The the the, the other one's just all right, for me, anyways. You can like it. I'm not saying you can't like it, but it's just not for me. Uh, the Falcons ones, um, they're terrible. Uh, just staying it straight up, they are absolutely terrible. They are terrible. All you had to do, Falcons, now you guys got to get this through your head. All you had to do was go back to the Deion Sanders, early Michael Vick jersey era. That is the best jersey the Falcons have ever had. And to their credit, they do have that as an alternate uniform. But the rest of it, with the stupid ATL at the top, the, the uniforms that put those big block letters at the top, are just bad. Like the Cleveland Browns uniforms last year were just, or just over the past few years, just Cleveland over the top. It's not needed. Why are you adding ATL at the top? I get you represent where you're from, but you do that with the, the team anyways. They are bad. I lo- Now, that being said, I hate the uniforms. I love the helmet. The helmet is dope. It's got the chrome face mask. It's got the matte black helmet. The helmet's dope. I'll give them full credit on the helmet. I will not be hating on the helmet. I like the big falcon on the side of the helmet. It just looks really cool, the helmet. Other than that, there ain't much like about these uniforms. <laughs> There's a lot going on. The numbers suck. I hate the numbers, and I hate 
There's not there's nothing worse in sports to me with uniforms than when teams go gradient. I hate gradient uniforms. Falcons, why do you have a red gradient uniform? Why is that a thing? Who allowed that to happen? Now the best one of all of this is the white one. Other than that, the all like the gradient one's terrible. Actually, I'm not going to say the white one's the best. The the retro one is the best. But I'm not counting that as a uniform change because that's they're just using it as an alternate. But out of the new ones that they have, the white I just like the all white uniform look. It's just a, a sleek look. But the gradient one, oh my god, it's just bad. It's just bad. You could buy those jerseys for like $15 from like Champion stores back in the early 2000s, back when Champion was terrible. Now Champion's back. Now now that I said that, now the Champions randomly come back, the most random comeback of all time, Champion. Um, now you're probably going to say, oh man, that's really cool. These Gradient Falcons uniforms are atrocious. The stripe on the side of the uniform is bad. Like, I'm looking at a picture of Deion Sanders right now. My, my uncle, who we talked about a little bit ago, with the Chicago Bulls, is a diehard Falcons fan. Not from Atlanta, not from the area. Born and raised Des Moines, lived out in Washington for a little bit, tech, or Oklahoma for a little bit, back in Iowa, Oregon. But he loved Deion Sanders. I'm looking at a picture of Deion Sanders right now. Those uniforms are dope. Now, to your credit, you made them an alternate. But against your credit, you didn't make them your full-time uniform. The stripe on the side of the uniforms, is uh, it looks like a spear. It, it just looks like a straight-up spear. I don't like the the like the the like highlights in the back, I guess, of the back of the number. Like, it's, like, raised up. The number's, like, raised up, so it's, like, tilted, so it's, like, got depth in it, I guess, if you want to call it that. It just looks bad. The gradient one's terrible. I hope they never rock that uniform in a game. Please never rock that uniform. If you throw on that uniform... Before you throw in the Dirty Bird uniforms, I'm going to be upset. I'm just going to be upset. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I hate those I hate those uniforms. Hate them. The Cleveland Browns, I did not like their uniforms in years gone by. I never thought they should have switched from the uniforms they had. And now they're back to the uniforms they should have never left. The original Cleveland Brown uniforms are back. The red, What the Atlanta Falcons should have done... The Browns did. Now, the color combination, if you don't like brown and orange, then you're probably not going to like this uniform because there's not a lot of other going on with the Cleveland Browns because their logo is a freaking orange helmet. So, if you don't like the orange helmet and you don't like the brown uniforms, I'm sorry. It's just what they are. They're not going to get much more creative than that. So, the fact that they tried to get creative with it, with the the whole Cleveland thing on the side, the big blocky letters on the pants with browns, the block letters on the – it just – like, they tried. To their credit, there's not a lot you can do with orange and brown, but they sure they sure tried. They sure as hell tried. So, we'll give them credit for that. A round of applause for the Cleveland Browns. I can't really clap because I'm holding a microphone. So, this is, this is the part that's a little different about doing the podcast here. But this is what the Falcons should have done. Just go back to what worked best. These uniforms should have never changed, and now they're back. I couldn't be happier for the Browns. I was tired of their old uniforms. Hopefully this gets them back to the Jim Brown days where they weren't in championships left, right, and center. Otto Graham, Jim Brown, hopefully that gets them back to that. Because Browns have sucked our entire lives ever since they came back. But I like this uniform. I like that they still kept the Color Rush uniform. The Color Rush uniforms are cool for what they can do with a Color Rush uniform, I guess you could say. 
but the uniforms are nice. Falcons, you should have done this. When you switch your uniform back in two years because everyone hates your uniforms and your jersey sales have gone down because no one wants to buy the stupid gradient jersey, go back to the Dirty Bird uniforms. Just do that, and you will get jerseys back because those uniforms are sweet. The Michael Vick jerseys from those early 2000s teams are dope. The all-black look that they did with Michael Vick, the, that's there's nothing colder in sports than that. Those Falcons Michael Vick teams were awesome. Then you got Algie Crumpler, <laughs> big old Algie Crumpler outside, a tight end. But uh, yeah, should have just gone back to that. So now let's now that we've talked about what each team did, let's just go over ranking them. Uh, the best uniforms out of the new ones for me. This one's weird because I love I love red, white, and blue. I'm a Bills fan, I love the red, white, and blue look. Bills in the early 2000s when Drew Bledsoe signed with the Bills, they went from the Jim Kelly era uniforms when Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie were done. They switched it up, went all navy blue, atrocious uniform. I got a freaking Bills helmet in the office where I'm doing the show at. That was mine when I was younger. It's it's just staring at me. And it's kind of ironic. The face mask broke because one of my friends who's a diehard Patriots fan stepped on it on accident and broke it. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I wish the Patriots would just go back to the red ones. I love the red Patriots uniforms. And it's hard for me to say. I do not like the Patriots. I respect Tom Brady, but I hate the Patriots. But I really, really like the red uniforms the Patriots have. They're just cool. They're just really cool. The Minuteman guy in the, low, the helmet or whatever. Just cool, cool stuff, cool look. But they're not going to do that because they still have the one helmet rule. But once they go back off the not one helmet rule, the Patriots can bring that back and then happy days. So it's hard to rank them because the Patriots didn't really change them. But I really like red, white, and blue. So I can't, I'm going to put the Buccaneers at one. The Buccaneers had the best ones because what they came from to what they are now is crazy. I rated those uniforms that they had the past few years as the worst in the entire league. So I hated those uniforms. Those uniforms were terrible. And now they've gone back to the uniforms they never should have switched from in the first place. So this is when Nike came in. They were like trying to make a big splash with the uniforms. Like the Seahawks one was crazy. Uh, the Buccaneers were going to go crazy. Right, The Jaguars went that stupid gradient helmet. That's Sea Falcons, they don't have that gradient helmet anymore. Because gradient stuff is stupid. Now they're done with that. But the Buccaneers, thankfully, they switched back to that because I really like the Rob Johnson era Buccaneers uniforms. You want a freaking Super Bowl with those uniforms. Why change it? Exactly. Look at all the teams that won, that wore Super Bowls. The Seahawks, when they changed uniforms, they won a Super Bowl. Went to a Super Bowl with their old, their old ones with Matt Hasselbeck. But now they have these ones, they won a Super Bowl. If you want a Super Bowl in one uniform, I would not recommend changing them. Patriots, you're fine changing them. <laughs> I'm cool with you guys changing them. You guys can change them all you want. Yeah, won a Super Bowl with those ones, six Super Bowls. Now you're with the color rush ones. I'm cool with you guys not winning any Super Bowls anymore. You guys can change them. But yeah, if you want a Super Bowl with one uniform, why change it? I'll just keep it the same. Look at the Packers. Look at the Bears. Look at the 49ers. They were had those nasty like maroon uniforms for a little bit. In the early 2000s, like the after, like the 
the Steve Young, Jeff Garcia era 49ers, those uniforms, those were bad. Notice that they didn't win anything with those. They went back to what they won in. If you wanted something, don't change it. Buccaneers, good on you. Going back to that. Same with the Browns. Going back to what you wanted. I know you guys are going to sit there and go, it's the same uniforms that they sucked in all of the 2000s so far. But they won in those uniforms the early 2000s, like the early, early years of the NFL. Jim Brown's in the 50s and 60s. Otto Graham. Otto Graham's awesome. Otto Graham, I had Madden 03 for the computer. I had a Windows 98 computer. It's still sitting in my basement, I believe. And I played Madden 03, the computer game. Marshall Falk was on the cover. It was awesome. Loved that game. And you could play with the classic teams. So you could play with the Browns, and Otto Graham had number 60. So when when I was younger, that was my... I loved Otto Graham because he wore number 60. <laughs> like you don't see that anymore. Like, you had uh, Devin Gardner wearing, what, 98 for Michigan? Like, it's just weird seeing quarterbacks with numbers outside of the teens and single digits. Like, Doug Flutie wore 22 in college. Uh, John Hadle wore number 21 for the Chargers in their early years. Bobby Lane wore number 22 for the Lions. Like, it's just so weird seeing quarterbacks with that high of numbers. And Otto Graham, 60. I just thought it was a really cool number for it. But So, hopefully the Browns go back to those teams. So, with again, much like the Buccaneers with the number one spot, what they came from with terrible uniforms to what they have now, I'm going to put the Browns in number two because I hated the Browns uniforms. I didn't think they were they, – they weren't as bad as the Buccaneers ones, but they were still bad. And now they're back to what was good or what was decent for the Cleveland Browns throughout their history. It's just a solid look. I know, again, if you don't like orange and brown – then you're not going to like these uniforms. It's just going to be a simple fact. There's not a lot you can do with orange and brown when your hel- when your freaking logo is a helmet. You can't do a lot with that. Like the Bills. The Bills logo has changed. I'm just looking at the helmet that I have downstairs. The Bills logo has changed over the years. to a, From a standing buffalo to a, run, a stampeding buffalo to a red helmet to a white helmet. They can change that because their logo is not a freaking helmet. <laughs> the Browns logo is their helmet. They cannot change the helmet at all. So there's so little you can do. But what they tried to do when they rebranded or whatever sucked. They won one game in two years. That was a sign that this uniform needs to change. You won one game in two years. That is terrible. That is some bad mojo. You need to ditch those uniforms and go somewhere else. So that's why they went back to their ones. Like they were bad in these ones, but they were even worse (laughs) than the ones that they currently or the ones they just had. They were even worse than those ones. So you want to laugh about how the Browns were terrible in these uniforms? Man, <laughs> go back a couple of years. <laughs> they were even worse. So you just go back to what worked, I guess, in the early 50, the 50s and 60s. So Browns are number two. Um, I'll put the Patriots at three because I like the red, white, and blue look. It's just the color rush ones, but I'm happy that unlike the Browns when they did their whole thing last year, the Browns had like 50 different uniforms last year. When they went from the color rush uniforms on the road, they didn't switch it. They didn't like they just wore these away uniform that they had over the years, but they had they kept the color rush uniforms the home ones. So you had two different uni- two different style of uniforms for home and away, which looked really bad, but the color rush uniforms were better than the ones they already had. But the Patriots, their credit, they just made the color rush uniform the away one too. It's at least style. So I'll give them credit for that. And I like it, so I'll put them at three. 
for Indianapolis because they didn't do anything. But they changed the logo. They like did an alternate logo or something and changed that, I guess. So we'll count that as a change, I guess you could say. And number five, Falcons. It's not even close. The Falcons are like 15 tiers below everybody else. Those uniforms, the gradient uniforms just throw me off so much. I still have it pulled up on my computer. And I'm just staring at the gradient. It's Grady Jarrett. It's kind of funny. Grady Jarrett standing there. Grady Ent. Is that probably why they did it? I bet that's what the Falcons did. They're like, this dude's name's Grady. Grady Ent. They, that is, oh my God, that's what they did. That is what they did. That is what the Falcons did. <laughs> they did that on purpose. The Falcons put Grady Jarrett in the gradient uniform. They did that on purpose. Oh my God. They actually did that on purpose. <laughs> it's just hitting me now, but they definitely did that on purpose. That makes it even worse. They're even lower than what I had them before. There's not even anything above or below them. They're just below. They just suck. <laughs> I hate these uniforms. They're so bad. You can't screw up red and black what the Falcons did. They did. They did it. They did it. And when they changed uniforms in two years, back to the Dirty Bird uniforms, you can thank me. You can play this back on March 20th, 2020, and, or April 20th. I'm all confused on my days. And go back to the Dirty Bird ones. So those are my new uniforms now. Now we're still awaiting the Chargers and Rams new uniforms. Chargers ones, I already know they're going to be number one, but they're coming out tomorrow. And based off what everybody is saying about the uniforms, they are insane. And I am incredibly excited to see those uniforms. The Chargers, those powder blue ones are the best uniforms in football anyways. The powder blue Chargers uniforms are the best uniform in football. So what if they did something to that, apparently, from what I've heard, it's a chain, a slight change on it. But it's also like implementing the color rest. And they, they said the helmets are different. I don't know if that was just like the face mask different. Or they completely just went back to the navy blue helmets. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. And I'm interested to see what the Rams are. Because I've hated the Rams uniforms over the years too. Because the Rams when they moved to St. Louis. They won. You know what I've been saying. If you had a uniform you wanted. Don't change it. The Rams won in St. Louis. With the L.A. Rams uniforms, the light, the royal blue and yellow, they changed the disgusting navy blue and gold ones. Didn't win anything. Look what happened! Like, look what happened. Yes, they wore them in the Super Bowl, but it's because they didn't officially change them the uniforms. They wore those uniforms in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, but you know, they weren't their official uniforms. So the the football gods were like, yeah, no, that doesn't count. Has to be your official uniform because you're still wearing a stupid white ram horn on your helmet with a gold ram horn on the side of your jersey. Get it sorted out. So hopefully they're just going back to the royal blue and yellow uniforms because those uniforms are dope. The LA teams, if the Rams go back to that, so I already know the Chargers are going to be the best one, they will have the two best uniforms in the NFL. Those Rams ones from when Eric Dickerson was there are... Some of the best uniforms ever. I love those uniforms. The royal blue and yellow. They're sick. Get the navy blue out of there. Chargers. Just keep working. Do, just, just keep doing you, baby. That's, that's all I got to say. You guys got sick uniforms. The Raiders, Steelers, Bears. I'm not going to mention Packers. I hate the Packers. I hate green and yellow together. It just looks like throw up. Uh, but the classics. Don't change them. You wanted them. Don't change them. And they're sick. They're just classic uniforms. Bills got sweet uniforms as well. They didn't win in any other uniforms, so they just got to do what they do. If you wanted a uniform, 
don't change it. That's my rule. All the teams, if you haven't won anything, don't you can change whatever. Seahawks, change uniforms, start a new reign. Got to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. But if you have if you won one and you change, this is bad mojo. You won't win again in those new uniforms. Just what I'm saying. Just saying. Just saying. So now you see like teams like the Rams, like the Browns, like the Buccaneers, like the Chargers, going back to what worked best for them. That's all I got to say on the matter. <laughs> Just Falcons. I'm sorry, Falcons fans. You got to look at those disgusting uniforms for this season. Because they're just bad. They're just atrocious. I just don't like them. The Gradient jerseys, the fact they threw Grady Jarrett in those uniforms makes it even worse. Grady Jarrett in the Gradient uniform. That's terrible. That is absolutely terrible. Uh, With that being said, I'm going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. Come back. we got some NFL draft talk. The draft is coming up on Thursday. Mock draft 6.0 will be released on Wednesday, or at least I'll try to get it out on Wednesday. If not, it'll be released right before the draft because I overthink it on the draft day, and I'll release something on the draft. And we got a little draft special for the Logan Blackman Show coming up when the draft takes place. I got a little things lined up for the draft, so stay tuned for that. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun, so make sure you stay tuned for that. First hour of the new edition of the Logan Blackman Show is done. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back for hour two. Mock draft stuff and just NFL draft stuff in general will be talked about right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Another break is in the books here on the Logan Blackman Show. We are entering hour two here of this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And we just so recap of what we went over in the first hour uh, we went over the Jordan documentary. We spent about a half hour, 40 minutes talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. So if you want to go listen back at that, if you don't care about what I have to say for the rest of the show, go ahead and do that. Or just go watch The Last Dance because I'm sure it's on YouTube already or wherever you want to watch it. And then we also talked about the new uniforms. The New England Patriots released new uniforms today. So, I guess, well, if you want to call them new uniforms, I guess the L.A. Chargers are releasing new uniforms tomorrow. We also had the Buccaneers, Browns, Colts, Falcons releasing new uniforms as well. The Rams ones are coming out soon, I believe, as well. So, stay tuned for that. So, we ranked the new uniforms and went over what teams changed in their, quote-unquote, new uniforms. And we also have the Indianapolis Colts in there as well, changing, I I guess, changing uniforms. Changing, like, the logo. Not really the logo. Changing the... Getting... Adding an alternate logo, I guess, and changing like changing the font style of their current... T- I, I don't know. I guess you could call it changing it. But we're done with that. And the big thing, the big story that's coming out this week is the NFL Draft is back. The 2020 NFL Draft is starting on Thursday. It's going to be a virtual draft, which will be very interesting to see how it all goes down, I guess. Because there's obviously going to be some hiccups along the way because the first time they've done this I mean well wait they did a they're doing a virtual draft today I believe I think it's today or they did it a couple days ago or something like that to do a test run or whatever but as we get close to the draft as most drafts do lying season starts to heat up a little bit as the draft gets closer the more rumors start the more the fake news I guess you could say comes out from teams around the NFL trying to insinuate trades, trying to get trades to come their way. 
especially teams in the top five that are like teams that don't need a quarterback but are going to act like they are going to take a quarterback so other teams from outside the top five trade up with them so they can gather up more picks, get players they liked in a later pick. Like if we were like, okay, we like Nate Stanley. So Nate Stanley would be a little bit of a high take here at number three. So let's trade back with the Chargers or something like that and take him at six. Because that would be a more likely spot for him to go. <laughs> God dang it. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to make Nate Stanley joke. And it'll be interesting to see where Nate Stanley goes in the draft as well as all the other Hawkeyes that are going out in the 2020 NFL Draft. And speaking of Nate Stanley, got the highest score on the Wonderlick out of the quarterbacks in this draft class, I believe. I think he got a 40, which is very impressive, which doesn't... I mean, Wonderlick scores are interesting because some people take those as, like, they are the Bible. Like, that is how we are going to decide who we take a quarterback. Other people are like, this doesn't really matter. And I'm in the camp of, this doesn't really matter. It doesn't show how good of a quarterback you actually are. Because if you look at historically historic drafts and high wonderlick scores the highest wonderlick score that i can think of and it has to be ryan fitzpatrick he had like a 46 47 or something under the wonderlick smartest person in the league but he's not the best nfl quarterback he's a good nfl quarterback he is the best bridge quarterback in the nfl easily the best bridge quarterback worst tanking quarterback in the nfl he's not going to tank Multiple teams have signed him trying to tank, and it's completely backfired, and they've turned out to be completely average teams to get him outside of where they wanted to be at the original start of the season. But I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Bill's quarterback, my dad loved Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot when he was in Buffalo, but he's just a, I don't know, he's just below average quarterback. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's not like, I don't know, he's not a starter on most teams in the NFL. I think he'd start in like three teams. I don't even, maybe just one, maybe the Dolphins, I don't know. Everybody likes Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's not a single person that doesn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he had the high, a really high score on the Wonderlick, 46. Lamar Jackson had like an 18 on the Wonderlick. Who is the better NFL quarterback? Lamar Jackson. It's not even close. Lamar Jackson played two years in the league, and he's already surpassed everything that Ryan Fitzpatrick has done to this point in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick is good when going into a contract year. Contract year, Ryan Fitzpatrick, top 15 quarterback in the league. Easy. Post that, easily one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> still good for a tanking team. Like, uh, well, not a tanking team, but still good for a below average NFL team. But once you pay him the money, his play starts going downhill a little bit. You see that in Buffalo. You see that in New York with the Jets or New Jersey, I guess. You see that pretty much everywhere he's played throughout his career. But he always gets that second contract because he balls out in the year that he needs to make a money, make a contract. But Lamar Jackson is undoubtedly the be- better quarterback of the two. The Winter League score is just a cute little test to just give him a little tidbit to show how smart you are. doesn't necessarily translate to on the field. You can be the smartest person of all time. doesn't mean you're a great NFL quarterback. doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it works out. Look at very smart quarterbacks. But most of the time it doesn't really matter. Tua Tagovailoa, one of the top quarterback prospects in this draft class, reportedly got a 13 on the Wonder League. I refuse to believe that he will be a worse NFL quarterback than Nate Stanley. Now, I could be saying that complete, that could be completely wrong in a couple of years. Could be completely wrong in a couple of years. But Nate Stanley, I love Nate Stanley, kind of. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Uh, he's 
A lot of Hawkeye fans have mixed feelings towards Nate Stanley. Statistically, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Hawkeye history. But he's just frustrating. Frustrating to look at, at least for me. That's that's a little mean, but I don't know. I'm sorry, Nate. But I just don't think he'll be a better quarterback than Tua. You know, he had a thousand times better. Not it's not technically a thousand times, but a thousand times better Wonderlick score than Tua Tagovailoa. If Tua stays healthy, he'll be a beast in the NFL. Everybody seems to understand that. And also, while we're on the topic of he will be a beast, the can't miss prospect thing. Is, I'm not calling to a can't-miss prospect because everybody has a chance to bust in the NFL. Don't call prospects can't-miss prospects because it's all about the situation they are drafted in. If they're a can't-miss prospect but get drafted by the 2016 Browns, they're going to suck. They're going to be terrible. If you're a quarterback that goes in that situation, you're going to suck no matter who you are. It's all about the situation. It's all about the situation. So even the most can't-miss prospects can be, can't miss, or can miss, I guess you could say. Like Tim Couch, you draft a quarterback number one overall, you don't think he's going to be a bust, and he's terrible. There's certain signs you can point to, like Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell had signs of, you should not draft this guy number one overall. They had little tidbits that you could point to and go, yes, I'm going to ignore the strong arm that, Ru- that Jamarcus Russell has and look at the fact that he weighs 270 pounds. That's a little concerning for me. Ryan Leaf, yes, he's a great athlete, much better athlete than Peyton Manning. But look at his off-the-field stuff. I don't know if I like that. Not all of his teammates seem to really like him. Character issues for that. There's little signs you can point to with draft prospects and why you consider them a bust or can't miss or whatever. But everybody has a chance to bust. Everybody. You don't draft a guy in the first round and expect them to be a bust. It just doesn't happen. To, to teams, they're can't-miss prospects. These guys are cannot-miss prospects. Their athletic ability is too insane to be a bust, but it can always happen. That's the beauty and the problem with the NFL draft. It is not an exact science. Flukes happen all the time. Tom Brady, you can say what you want about Tom Brady. I'm a Bills fan. Tom Brady has caused a lot of problems in my life. More to my dad. My dad hates Tom Brady. My dad cannot stand Tom Brady. But I respect Tom Brady. Because if you look at what Tom Brady's done in the NFL, it is very similar to what he did at Michigan. He always played He always played up to his competition. He showed up in the biggest of occasions. He was the comeback kid. That was his nickname in college, the comeback kid. He played in the toughest conference in the country, in the Big Ten. The only thing that made him fall in the draft is that he was super skinny, super unathletic looking. He ran a 5-2-3-40 or something like that. That is an atrocious 40 for a quarterback. There is no way if Brady was available right now in this draft that he would fall all the way to the sixth round. It's impossible. But people get hooked on certain things. You look at his body and go, oh, that's not great. Kind of scary. You look at Giovanni Carmazzi from the San Francisco 49ers. He played at Hofstra. Uh, if you haven't watched the Brady Six documentary, I would recommend it. I watched it for the first time a few years ago. And then now the NFL, ne- or the, uh, what's it called? NFL Films or NFL Throwback or something threw it on their YouTube channel. So I would recommend going and watching that. Because it's very good. It's very very good to watch. Brady, a little weird. I hate Tom. Tom Brady with the long hair. Just does, It just looks weird. But I digress. 
But you look at team like Giovanni Camazzi, the athlete. Bill Walsh said we had other teams talking about they were going to trade up, so we are very happy with this pick. Spurgeon win got drafted by the Cleveland Browns. He was the the next the last quarterback before Tom Brady to go. He completed forty seven percent of his passes in college. At Southwest Texas State, which is now Texas State FBS school, forty seven percent. He got drafted by Tom Brady, who just won the Ro- the Orange Bowl against Alabama. That does not happen <laughs> anywhere. I don't care where you are. So th- that's the thing. You can the draft is so good and so bad at the same time because it's you can just have flukes. No way Tom Brady falls to the sixth round at pick 199 if he goes in the draft today. No way. You look at what he did in college, it's very similar to what he did in the pros. He just did it on another level. Because I know people like to say this, and it's kind of weird. There's no, you can't improve, you can't get better in the pros than you were in college. That's hard to do. No, people do it all the time. George Kittle is the prime example of you can do better in the pros than he did in college. George Kittle... And I love George Kittle. Every Hawkeye fan loves George Kittle. Most NFL fans, no matter who you like, love George Kittle. He was not that good at Iowa. He was athletic, but that was about it. He put up like 350 yards a season receiving. He was not that great of a tight end at Iowa. He was good. Everybody at Iowa loved him. Loved his work ethic, but he didn't have the production because C.J. Beathard didn't really throw to the tight ends that often. C.J. Beathard t- didn't put up a lot of passing yards at Iowa either. He had Tavon Smith on the outside. Loved throwing to him. But George Kittle, according to Pro Football Focus, and Pro Football Focus has its flaws, had him as the best player in the NFL. Out of every player in the NFL, a guy that had about 700 yards total in college receiving is the best player in the NFL. That's crazy. It can happen. You can be a better player in the pros than you were in college. It can't happen. It can't happen. That's what Tom Brady did. He was just an elevated version of himself from Michigan. The Patriots wasted a drafter spot by keeping him on because they were afraid someone else was going to take him. They knew what they had in Tom Brady. They knew what they had. When they drafted him, they kept him on as the fourth quarterback on their roster. And they just wasted Even hear Bill Belichick will say, we wasted a roster spot just to have him on the team because we were afraid someone else was going to take him. They knew what they had. They just waited a long time to get it. I don't think he lasts that long in that draft. We knew what he would become, obviously. Russell Wilson, third-round draft pick. One of the best quarterbacks in the league, elite quarterbacks in the league. The only reason the Seahawks have been relevant since the Legion of Boom left has been because of Russell Wilson. They are a 3-13 and team without Russell Wilson. But now, this was a few years ago. Now they have a really solid running game. They have decent outside options. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Just got Greg Olson. Offensive line still needs a lot of work. Defense is starting to improve a little bit, but a few years ago, it was just Russell Wilson. He would go in the first round easily. Drew Brees, second-round pick as well, would go in the first round if we knew what he'd become. Like, the draft is not an exact science. It's not an exact science at all. You look at the first-round quarterbacks, you're hit or miss all the time. It's never been an exact science. But we like to think that these some of these guys are can't-miss projects. Some of them are definite misses. And people love to c- try to figure out who the bus is going to be before they enter the league, which is kind of frustrating to me. 
Don't call a player a bust before they've even played a snap in the NFL. Wait about three years, and then we can call him a bust or not. Wait a little bit. Don't call when they get drafted. Don't go. Oh, you're a bust. You don't know that. And then when they prove out they're not a bust, you look like an idiot. I will never call a draft pick a bust. Now I will say that I have been go go in another direction, but I'll never call it like when Daniel Jones got drafted by the Giants at the time. Logic said I knew this going in. I said this on the Logan Blackman show numerous times throughout that time when they were drafting. I said the Giants are not going to draft Dwayne Haskins. I knew that going in. I had in my head the Giants are not going to draft Dwayne Haskins. It was dead obvious they were going to draft Daniel Jones. I did not think. Now, it was obvious they were going to draft Daniel Jones. It was not obvious they were going to draft him with the sixth overall pick. That's the part that surprised me out of everything is that Daniel Jones went sixth. I thought they could get him at 17 or they could trade back into the first round. But they drafted him at six. I knew they were going to draft him. It just surprised me when it happened. I did not think that Dwayne Haskins would go after Daniel Jones. That's what surprised me. But you know what? It looks so far the Giants made the right choice, but that's so far. The Redskins are a joke of a franchise at the moment, and the Giants are starting to build something kind of nice, a little nice, a little nice. They're making some good moves. They're making some good moves. But Daniel Jones needs to stop fumbling he fumbles all the time I think he had 18 fumbles and he started like 12 games last year it's ridiculous I don't know how that happens he lost like 11 of them how does that happen how do you lose that many fumbles? how do you fumble that many times jeez were hand size too small I don't remember how big his hands were but but yeah it's not an exact science not an exact science not everybody had Daniel Jones there probably nobody had Daniel Jones in the top 30 of the draft anyways Giants did. So they drafted him sixth overall. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. And the Giants, I got an update today about the Giants. Speaking of the Giants, they've been in talks with Justin Herbert. This is what we call lying season. The Giants are not drafting Justin Herbert. You do not waste a sixth overall pick on Daniel Jones and give him significant playing time to draft Justin Herbert. Yes, I know the Cardinals did that last year with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. But there were so many signs pointing to the Giants drafting Daniel Jones. The Cutcliffe thing, the Dave Gettleman Manning thing, that was big. Like Kyler Murray coming in, he had the Cliff Kingsbury um, thing, like the connection with Cliff Kingsbury. So that was what it was like, okay, this is going to happen. I don't see the Giants doing that this year. There's too many connections there with Daniel Jones and the Mannings and Cutcliffe, and uh, Gettleman, that it's going to happen again. I cannot see it happening. It's just lying season. But again, it's not exact science. You got a new head coach in there, Joe Judge from the New England Patriots. Maybe it's true. It's not exact science. Maybe you can change. You can have an opinion one year. Very next year, you want to correct that wrong choice you made. So we'll have to see what happens there, but Right now, the draft, again, takes place this Thursday night. It's going to be fun. It is going to be a fun one. Um, before we dive right into our going over each draft pick and taking our what they need, what each team needs, each favorite, we're going to go 1 through 32, talk about which team could do with each pick. Wednesday, we'll talk about the mock draft and everything else. It might come out Thursday. 
might come out Wednesday. We'll have to wait and see again. Have some surprises for you on Thursday, but we'll have to wait and well, we'll get more on that eventually. But I'm going to take a quick break. I got to go to the bathroom. So we're going to take a quick break right now here on the Logan Blackman Show. We come back, talk about the NFL draft even more in depthly. So stay tuned for this short little break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Logan Blackman Show. It is now, we're just about entering the last half hour of the show. We got about the 25 minutes, 35 minutes left in today's program maybe a little less than that depends on how I'm feeling after this whole thing is done and dusted but yeah we're here and we are live at one point now it's a podcast and no one actually is listening to this live so how are you all doing today everybody just talk to your phone or mic or camera I don't I don't know how you're listening I don't know why I said camera but everybody just say how you're doing to the the speaker to your phone however just say so hi guys how you doing that's good. That's good to hear. I always like listening to what my fans have to say. So right now, we are almost done with the show. As I said, we got mock draft stuff to talk about, or just draft stuff in general to talk about. And before we dive right into that, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, the DN that is constantly talked about moving but never seems to be going anywhere, calls out Jags owner Tony Khan and said, stop hiding on Twitter as he seeks trade from Jags. Man, the Jags are such a good run franchise. They're so good. The Jags are just so nicely run. Beautiful. Beautiful. We'll call them the London Jaguars here soon enough, or they could move to Iowa. Ooh. Ooh, into Des Moines. Yes. It's all coming together now. The boy, Someone in Des Moines. Who, who's rich and who's big and famous in Des Moines? Um, Ashton Kutcher going by the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, Kurt Warner... Um, Zach Johnson, um, well, Sean Johnson, um, I'm trying to build up a big group like the Marlins group, like Derek Jeter when he bought the Marlins, um, oh, crap, who could buy, (laughs) who else do we have here in Iowa? I don't know, those people go buy the Jaguars, move to Iowa, move in Des Moines, expand Wells Fargo Arena, or just build them a sick new stadium, and... Yeah, that's what we'll do. That's the plan. So hopefully that works out. So we'll have a Des Moines team here fairly soon. But Yannick Ngakwe, I don't even have a guess on where he's going to go. He gets linked everywhere. It's like the Giants, uh, the Browns, the Bills, the Seahawks, the Eagles. Apparently he wants to go to Philly, which I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. Jadavian Clowney's still a free agent as well. So we'll see where what his future holds in the NFL because he says the Seahawks reunion with the Seahawks is not likely so look out for where those two go but now let's dive straight head first into the shallow end where the mock draft or draft stuff starts again draft will take place on Wednesday or Wednesday Thursday mock draft 6.0 released on Wednesday now the draft will take place from the 23rd to 20 25th geez I just had lunch upstairs so that's why I'm a little burpy right now so yeah it'll be it'll be fun never before seen stuff going on here the virtual draft be crazy so at the first overall pick we have the Cincinnati Bengals going all the way down to the 32nd pick with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs so we'll see how this draft goes the Miami Dolphins have the most selections with 14 and the Saints and Chiefs have the fewest selections with five and as I said, the Cincinnati Bengals possess the first pick in the draft. And what we're going to do here with this little thing we got going on right now, 
is talk about what each team could do with each pick. We're going to go through 1 through 32, talk about each team, what they're going to do with each pick. Now, some teams, like the Dolphins, the 49ers, Raiders, Jaguars, have multiple first-round picks. And some teams have multiple late-round picks. So we could see teams jump back into the first round. Let's we'll talk about which teams could possibly do that. But right for the most part, we're going to focus on what teams in the first round already will be doing. If we talk about trade-out, we'll look at possible teams. But for the most part, we'll just say they're going to trade-out or something like that. So with the first pick, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think it's pretty obvious what they're going to do. It's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point that Joe Burrow will be going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I posed the theory... Uh, when was it, last week, of the Miami Dolphins taking Justin Herbert with the Bengals trading Joe Burrow to the Miami Dolphins for in exchange for Justin Herbert. But do we actually think that's going to happen? Now, it's a fun theory. It's fun to have conspiracy theories every once in a while, but will it actually happen? For one, I would love to see it happen. I would think that would be a very cool thing to do, but I would not. I don't really want Joe, <laughs> Joe Burrow in Miami. So that's a thing that we got to deal with here. I love conspiracy theories coming out to fru- coming into fruition, but I also like seeing teams I don't like suffer for a little longer. And so we'll have to wait and see. But as of right now, the feeling is Joe Burrow is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal come next year. He is from Ohio. He played football at Ohio State. His girlfriend is from Cincinnati or the Cincinnati area. I think it's just a match. I think it has to happen. Owner Mike Brown was in a meeting with Joe Burrow. You don't really see the owners go in with meetings that often with prospects. That was a big thing that went on there. And from what I've gathered, it sounded like they love Joe Burrow. That is what it sounds like right now. So Joe Burrow is number one to Cincy. Now, I'm not going to throw away the possibility of the possible 2004 repeat of Justin Herbert going to Miami, Justin Herbert winding up in Cincinnati with Burrow going to Miami. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to completely close that out because I brought up the stupid thing. So let's keep that in our mind. Let's keep that locked in our heads real quick. Number two, the Washington Redskins, they're drafting Chase Young. Daniel Snyder has made his mind up. They are drafting Chase Young. And whatever Daniel Snyder says goes in Washington. That is just what happens with the Washington Redskins. Whatever Daniel Snyder does or whatever he says, that's what's going to happen. That's why last year was so weird. Because when the rumor started that Daniel Snyder was taking over the Redskins draft, you knew you just pictured them trading everything to get up into the top five to take Dwayne Haskins. That's just what it looked like on face value. But for some reason, something must have possessed Daniel Snyder, or they tied him up and threw him in a closet or something. And they drafted Chase Dwayne Haskins without moving they stayed at 15 and got Haskins it was just weird to see because that's not Daniel that's not what Daniel Snyder does so this year they're gonna do what Daniel Snyder does they got the guy they always get what Daniel Snyder wants Chase Young is going to Washington it's a foregone conclusion now there might be a possibility there's a trade back but that they're gonna have to give up everything to get up to number two and the only reason I can see that happening is if the Cincinnati Bengals pull off some miracle shocker and draft Justin Herbert number one overall, then we'll have a bidding war for the number two spot, and the Dolphins will trade everything to get up to number two with the Redskins. That's the only reason I think the Redskins could trade back. If not, if Burrow goes one, Haskins or uh, Chase Young is going to Washington. That is what's going to happen, going to the nation's capital. Number three, 
Detroit Lions. Uh, them and the Giants at number four have expressed a lot of interest of trading back. They want to trade back in the draft, but will teams be willing to trade up with them? There's some teams that need a quarterback in this draft. You could look at the Dolphins, uh, the Chargers. Now, I'm going to exclude the Bengals because they already took their quarterback. Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers, maybe. Jaguars, maybe. Uh, Raiders, maybe. Buccaneers, maybe. Falcons, maybe, if they want to get a future for Matt, uh, future replace for Matt Ryan. Uh, the Patriots, Saints, uh, anybody else in the first round? No, that's pretty much it. So we could see someone try to trade up with them. The Patriots got a lot of picks. I believe they have 12 and a lot of mid-round picks, which is key in that. Um, but it's going to be weird for the Lions. It's going to be hard for the Lions to get a trade done, especially in new waters, because there's not this has never been done before. So we might not see a lot of trades day one. We might see a lot of them day two and day three. But day one might be a little bit more interesting in the fact that we might not see a lot of trades. But the Lions will try to trade back. Once they do, they'll take the best player available, whether that's whether they believe that's Derek Brown, Jeff Akuda, Isaiah Simmons, whoever they believe is the best defensive player, they will take. Now, I did. I will say this. I did have a dream last night that the Lions took Isaiah Simmons at number three. So, if that happens, which I feel like they're leaning towards more Derek Brown than anybody, then it would be crazy. Because the Lions need a big guy in the middle. Derek Brown's a monster in the middle, can add a lot of pressure from the inside to the Lions' defense. Lions got some corners this offseason. Yes, they trade Darius Slay, but will they take Jeff Akuda? That's the thing that we're going to have to look at here. Could the Chargers possibly send Desmond King, who is a Detroit native, to the Detroit Lions to trade up to number three? We will have to wait and see. So the Lions are going to try and trade down, but they'll take the best defensive player available, if not, or the top player on their board, pretty much. Uh, the New York Giants at number four, um, I feel like they're going to take the offensive lineman. I think it's going to be Jedrick Wills. Or Tristan Wirfs. I think Wills is the more logical pick. He was with Joe Judge at Alabama and could sure up the off to line for the New York Giants. Now, Isaiah Simmons is the other option here. I've been on the Isaiah to the Giant Isaiah Simmons to the Giants train for a long time now. But I think I'm leaning towards saying Jedrick Wills will end up with the New York Giants here at number four, or they'll trade back with somebody, whether it be the Chargers or Dolphins or Patriots or something. I don't know. Joe Judge giving a favor to his former boss, Bill Belichick. Oh, jeez. And drafting a guy there. But I'm leaning towards Wills there. Number five, the Miami Dolphins. I just feel it's Tua. My gut says Tua. Smokes Green City in Miami. Trying to get someone to trade up to take Justin Herbert. Try to get them the waste. Because the Dolphins are staying pat at number five. I don't think they're moving anywhere. I think they want Tua. You don't get enamored with somebody. Then just lose. I know the injury history. I get the injury history. But they did the same thing like 10, 15 years ago with Drew Brees. And looked how well that turned out for him. Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. And one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Most underrated quarterback of all time. And the Dolphins signed Dante Culpepper. And have had like 15 different quarterbacks since then. Do not mess this up again. They have been very adamant at least a few months ago. That they are keeping Josh Rosen. That... I believe, is the right decision if they draft Tua. If you draft Tua, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter regardless of who you draft. So it's going to be Fitzpatrick there, and then keep Rosen there as the backup, and then just let Tua rest his entire rookie season. Do not play him at all his rookie season. Don't even dress him. If you don't need to dress him, don't dress him. 
So Tua just gets fully healthy and eventually takes over. I think the Dolphins keep Rosen. I think they keep fit. Well, they obviously keep Fitzpatrick, but keep Rosen and have Tua just rest the entire season. That's what I think the ultimate goal is for the Miami Dolphins this year. Stand Pat at five and taking Tua. Uh, the Chargers, I do not think they're going to draft a quarterback here. I think they're going to get a quarterback in the later rounds. I think they're eyeing up Jalen Hurts, so they might target him with their early second-round pick or trade back in the second round and still select him. I think he fits what the Chargers are doing more than any of the first-round quarterbacks that are available here. I think they like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love possesses the athletic ability that they're looking for, at least an Anthony Lynn-style quarterback that he's looking for and has an absolute snot rocket of an arm which is what he's looking for. It's, the athletic ability is what he's looking for more than anything out of his quarterbacks. He said that when he first got the job with the Chargers, and it's been pretty obvious that that's been what they've wanted to do for a while now. That's just what the Chargers have wanted to do. Anthony Lynn has Tyrod Taylor there, coached him in Buffalo. That's just what the plan is for the L.A. Chargers right now. Dude, they draft a quarterback in the first round, though, because Herbert's pretty mobile. He had three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. So he has mobility. He has mobility. Jordan Love, better athlete. Way better athlete. Probably the best athlete out of the quarterbacks in the first round. It might be pushing it. it. Might be pushing it a little bit. But I feel like he could. He is the best athlete. So if they go quarterback, I'm leaning more towards Jordan Love than anybody. But they could take Justin Herbert here. But I think they're going to go take the best defensive player available. I think it's either going to be Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown. Chargers let go of Brandon Meebane this offseason. So they have a hole in the interior D-line. They got a T-tackle last year in Tillery, but I didn't like the pick last year. Still don't like the pick this year. I think they go and get a big guy in there to replace. Tillery's not the big guy that you need. He's like that interior pass rusher that you would want to get there. But I think the Chargers getting Derek Brown would be huge for their defense because their run defense has always been suspect, and that's been throughout their history tackling has been a big thing as well and Isaiah Simmons would get a big thing in there the Chargers struggled tackling for a while now especially in the Anthony Lynn era they have struggled tackling people Isaiah Simmons would be an instant guy in there would start at linebacker safety whatever him and Derwin James on the same defense is terrifying but they also just go offensive lineman here they solved the right side their left side of the O-line still a work in progress they traded Russell Okung to the Panthers got Trey Turner now they need to get the left side figured out. But they could probably get that figured out a little bit later in the draft. Here, if Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown available, that's who the Chargers are going to go with. That's what my gut is telling me, and that's what the Chargers will do in my humblest of opinions. Uh, number seven, the Carolina Panthers, they'll take the best defensive player available, whoever it is. Simmons, Brown, Akuda, whichever one. It's going to be one of those guys. Maybe they surprise us to take Javon Kinlaw there as well. If Derek Brown goes number six to the Chargers or three to the Lions, and Jeff Okuda's already off the board as well, Javon Kinlaw might not be that bad of a shout for the Carolina Panthers here. So maybe expect a trade back here or not. They've also heard rumors they like C.J. Henderson. So if the Lions take Okuda, Chargers take Simmons or Brown, whichever one, the Panthers take C.J. Henderson. Because in that division, the NFC South has some crazy quarterback-wide receiver combinations, especially with what the Panthers are facing this year. You got Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and O.J. Howard in Tampa, who O.J. Howard probably get traded before the season starts. Then in New Orleans, Drew Brees, Michael, Mike Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders. 
We'll also throw in Jared Cook, and we'll also throw in Alvin Kamara because he's a threat out of the backfield. And then you got the Falcons with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Uh, who they get a tight end? Ah, uh, crap. Who was it? Uh, the the for Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley in the backfield. That's a lot of people you got to cover. The Panthers do not have a great secondary at all. They don't really have that good of a defense anymore. They need to get secondary help. If Akuda is available there at seven, the Panthers will jump all over that. Panthers need corner help. They lost their best corner to, I believe, the Giants this offseason. They need corner help. If Akuda is available there at seven, they're taking him. If they can possibly get a trade back with, say, like the Raiders or something, they could take C.J. Henderson there at 12 or a team that would want to trade up somewhere else. The Falcons won't trade up with them. I I never understand division trade up, so I don't I I, ne- I never so I don't happen. But Raiders trading up to seven could be a possibility if they want to get Herbert or something because they say they like their quarterback room, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that whole Herbert thing. But the Panthers, if he's available, Akuda is the pick there at seven, eight Cardinals. This one's hard. Trade back best defender available or offensive lineman. That's the thing here for the Cardinals. We got to decide here. Cardinals defense, not very good. It's Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones. That's it. There's no one else on that defense anymore. You had Tyron Matthew, lost him. You had Dockett in the, with the Kurt Warner era, they, he gone as well. Any other piece on the defense? I think Derek Brown is their main target here at number eight from what I have heard or heard, like I'm like I'm some big scout or something, or sort of talking to NFL teams. From what I've seen, Derek Brown's a big target for the Cardinals. But I think logic just says off to linemen. There's also been reports that they're going off uh, receiver here with C.D. Lamb going to be there, maybe forcing a trade-up with like the Broncos or the, uh, the Eagles or something looking for C.D. Lamb. Uh, but, yeah, I can't see the Cardinals taking a wide receiver here. They drafted like they drafted three of them last year, I think, and they got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald still there, Christian Kirk still there. I can't see them going wide receiver here. If they didn't get DeAndre, I think it's nailed on that C.D. Lamb was going to be a Cardinal, but I think they got to go off to lineman here. I think Tristan Wirfs is the best one available, so they'll go Wirfs there probably. But off to lineman or best defender available is what I think the Cardinals will do there at eight. Number nine, the Jags uh, trade back. Or whatever the Jag, I don't know what the Jags are gonna do. They have a bad team. Their team is not good. Their defense is atrocious. Their offensive line is atrocious. They got one weapon on the outside. And their running backs overrated, and they got a young quarterback who's got potential. Other than that, they're not very good. Um, <laughs> I think the Jaguars are looking at Javon Kinlaw or C.J. Henderson here at number. If they stand pat at nine, I think they could also look at a wide receiver, Jerry Judy. Off to Lyman's not a bad shot here either. But I don't know what the Jags are going to do. Trade back is in their future. I think the Jags and Falcons could trade back. Um, The Jags GM, Caldwell, I believe worked for the Falcons early in his career. So the Falcons have been talking about trading up for a while. I think if the Jaguars trade back, I think it's with the Falcons because of the connections with Caldwell and the Atlanta Falcons organization. You look at the Bills uh, and the Carolina Panthers. Brandon Bean, that entire thing is from Carolina. Bills and Carolina have a great relationship. So you see a lot of people, former Panthers, going to Buffalo. Uh, I think that could be the same situation here. Falcons utilize the fact that they had a former employee on the Jaguars now and trade up with them. That's what my gut is telling me will happen there at 9. But the Jags could go any direction here because they got a lot of holes. 
on the roster. Defensive backfield, linebackers, D-line, offensive line, wide receivers, running back. Like, they got holes. I think they like Gardner Minshew, so I think they'll stand pat at quarterback for this year. But we'll have to wait and see. If that, if you don't believe that, Leonard Fournette said they should go out and sign Cam Newton. Look what the, Jag- the Jaguars threw him on the block like that. Like, it was instantaneous, pretty much. The next day, he was on the block. So, we'll see what they think about that. Uh, number 10, the Browns. I think they're trading back. I think the Browns are collecting more picks with a team that needs a quarterback. I think they could logically, I think trading, up, trading back with the Broncos and then trading back again with either the Patriots or Saints would be the most logical thing here for the Browns. Because what I've heard, they really, really like Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle from Boise State. Very athletic offensive tackle. Uh, could fit what Kevin Stefanski wants to do on that offensive line. I think that's what they want. I think they want Cleveland, and I think they want to trade back. So that is my prediction there. They will go off to line in the first round, but it won't be the guys that everybody is thinking that it will be. Not Andrew Thomas. No. Not Mekhi Becton. No. Ezra Cleveland. They're at whatever pick they are. I think they'll trade back at least once in the first round. And if they don't take Cleveland with their first round pick and they take a linebacker like Kenneth Murray or a Patrick Queen or something, trade back and take Ezra Cleveland. I think Ezra Cleveland is destined to play for the Cleveland Browns this upcoming season. Uh, number 11, the Jets, they have to go off the line. Their GM's a former off the lineman. Uh, their off the line's atrocious. Need to protect Sam Darnold. Wide receivers are not a bad shout here because they don't have any weapons on the outside. They lost Robbie Anderson to the Panthers. So that's not a bad shout either. Just get help for Sam Darnold. That's the main thing here. Number 12, the Las Vegas Raiders. Still weird to kind of, it's still kind of weird to say that. Uh, it's going to be receiver here. A, either receiver or Justin Herbert. That's what my gut is telling me here with the Las Vegas Raiders. Whether it be CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb seems to be their number one target here at uh, number 12. But if he's available, that's another story. We'll have to wait and see on what happens in that situation for the Carolina Pan- or the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe they shock us and go like Javon Kinlaw there to get some interior pressure. Uh, which wouldn't be a bad shout for the Raiders. I think he could fit in nicely with that defense. He fits in to what Mike Mayock looks for in a college player. Gritty, a leader, interior, fast. They got a very similar story to what Josh Jacobs does, who the Raiders drafted last year. And I think he could fit there. But for right now, I'm just feeling receiver, maybe, maybe Herbert, and maybe even less of a maybe, or more of a maybe, Jordan Love. Like, that's just the biggest maybe out of all of them. Uh, the 49ers, uh, they have said the entire draft process that they are going to get speed here at 13 and trade back at 31. So, whether that's speed at wide receiver or speed at corner, that's what I think they're doing here. I think C.J. Henderson is a very good prospect that they go here at San Francisco. And I think Henry Ruggs is another option here for the 49ers. But if both of those guys are gone, which there's a chance they both are gone, look for them to trade back with, like, the Patriots or something who are looking for a quarterback in the first round, potentially. I think the Patriots could also trade back and take one of the tight ends in this draft. I think Cole Komet from Notre Dame is a viable option there in the later first round. So I'll have to see there. But the 49ers speed at 13, trade back at 31 is what I've been hearing. Uh, The Buccaneers at 14, off to lineman. This one needs the least amount of explanation out of everybody. Off to line. The Buccaneers off to line has been garbage for years. 
It's been well documented that the Buccaneers offensive line is atrocious, and now they have to address it. Whichever one they get will be an instant day one starter and will help the offensive line. Looks more or less like Andrew Thomas, but we'll have to wait and see on that. The Broncos, um, this one's interesting. I can see them doing a couple things. Javon Kinlaw is an option here because they lost a lot of – they got Jarrell Casey from Tennessee, but they lost Derek Wolf to Baltimore. Baltimore's D-line – Baltimore's building a really nice D-line there. Uh, but Denver, I think Kinlaw is a shout. I think Kenneth Murray is a shout here as well. Don't have any great interior linebackers. Got great edge rushers in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, but interior linebackers have been a struggle for them ever since Brandon Marshall left. And I think they go wide receiver. They have a really good wide receiver in Cortland Sutton, a legit number one, but they don't have a number two, and they have no speed on the outside. That's the thing with the Broncos. I think the Broncos could be a surprise team this year. I think if they get some speed on the outside or a nice number two option, they could cause a little bit of problems here. More than what we're expecting, which would be kind of weird to see that again. Odds line is another shout here, but I think wide receiver, uh, I think they'll <sighs> trading up might be interesting. We'll see what happens if they trade up or not. But I think they'll look for a wide receiver. Here at 15. The Falcons, they're trading up. Um, it seems pretty likely that they're going to trade up. Thomas Dimitrov loves himself a trade. He trades up all the time, whether it's back into the first round, later rounds, uh, first round picks. Well, he's They're going to trade up. And it's either for Kinlaw or C.J. Henderson from what we could gather. But, but, what if it's a shocking pick and they take Justin Herbert and trade up in the first round? What if that happens? Because the Falcons, though they have a lot of needs on defense, do not have a viable replacement for Matt Ryan. He could serve as an Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback and just sit for three years behind Ryan because Ryan's not declining anytime soon. At least for he's not He didn't decline this year. He had a good year this year. But look out for Justin Herbert. Maybe that happens. It's going defense or Justin Herbert. That's my gut is telling me. I don't think they'll draft Justin. Uh, well, I'm not. It's going to be an outside shout. But if they go, just be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if they go Justin Herbert here. Trade up. Kinlaw, C.J. Henderson, Isaiah Simmons maybe, or Justin Herbert. Well, to see. Dallas Cowboys at 17. Um, linebacker, wide receiver, corner, safety, any of those things. I think they'll stand pat here at 17 or trade back. I don't think they'll trade up. So we'll have to wait and see what they do there. I think they really like Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. They had a really good combine interview with him, so I think they value him. I also hear they like Cesar Ruiz a lot, the line, the center from Michigan. This is too early to take Ruiz. What I would do is trade back into the first round with the 49ers because, as I said, the 49ers are looking to trade out of that 31 spot. They have no second-round picks. I don't think they have any third-round picks either. They might not have – they. If they do, it's very little third-round pick. I know they don't have any second-round picks. Cowboys trade up with the 49ers, take Cesar Ruiz, because I think the Chiefs are looking at him as well. So jump in front of them and get your center to replace Travis Frederick. That's what I would do if I was the Cowboys. I would go after – Kenneth Murray would, is, a, is a shout. I think they could go after a slot receiver as well. Justin Jefferson, the best slot receiver in this draft, would be a good option there. They lost Randall Cobb to the Houston Texans. So – Justin Jefferson to Dallas, maybe that's an option here. But I think Kenneth Murray, Justin Jefferson, I think C.J. Henderson's going to be gone. Uh, 
Kalevon Chison is another option here. Edge rusher. They got Alden Smith, but I don't think he's pressuring anybody for a starting job. He hasn't been in the league for like three years, so I don't really think he's pushing a starting job. But that's what I'm thinking for the Cowboys there at 17. 18, the Dolphins. It's an offensive lineman or safety. That's what I think is happening here. Whether it's Josh Jones or Xavier McKinney, I think it's going to be one of those two guys here at 18. Or a possible trade back. Because the Raiders, and Mel Kuyper's mock draft, the Raiders at 19 took Jordan Love. The Saints only have five picks, but that's not that far to go from 24 to 18. They could trade up there and get Jordan Love, who could sit behind Drew Brees for this year and have a quarterback battle with Taysom Hill next year. Do I believe Taysom Hill's as good as Lamar Jackson? Not at all. I'm tired of hearing that comparison because it's not really close of a comparison. Taysom Hill's less passing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson. So I don't really think he's the the guy that they are viewing as the future of the franchise. I think Jordan Love fits what Sean Payton wants to do in New Orleans. And I think he'd be perfect for the New Orleans Saints. So look for that as well here at 18. Uh, 19, the Raiders, I think they take a D-tackle in Ross Blacklock or A.J. Terrell from Clemson. I think A.J. Terrell's the more likely of the two. Pair him up with Trayvon Mullins, who they drafted in the second round last year. Get a nice cornerback pairing. Because they had Eli Apple. He bailed out, unsurprisingly. And now they're without another corner to partner Mullen. Secondary is atrocious in, o- in Las Vegas. Got to go corner here. I think they could trade back with somebody possibly, like the Ravens, if they want a linebacker or something, get in front of Jacksonville and Philly, who are reportedly looking at a linebacker as well. Uh then you could take Blacklock. I don't think Blacklock's a logical pick here at 19. I think if you trade back, I think that'd be a good pickup. There are Neville Gallimore there as well from Oklahoma. Maybe he's another option. I think it's going to be a defensive player with the second pick. Go offense, defense in the first round for the Raiders. And I think Trayvon or um, AJ Terrell will be a good pickup there at 19. Jacksonville at 20. Um, it's either a say, a defensive back or an offensive tackle. I think those are the two things they could look at here. Maybe get an interior D lineman as well, or just an edge rusher to play and got replace Ngakwe. We'll see where he goes because they could get a first round pick out of that. It's very unlikely, but they could very well get a first round pick. Um, it's more likely a day two pick for Ngakwe if anything. But get a guy to replace him here. If Chison's available, maybe they go after them at twenty. Corners an option. Safety's a very good option as well because they lost everybody from that halfway decent team that they had a few years ago on defense. So those are options. They lost Kalias Campbell, so they need an option there at D-line there. So there's a couple options there for the Jaguars at 20. So they got some. They can move some pieces around here in the first round. Two first-round picks with a lot of needs on the roster. We could see what they do there. Eagles at 21. Logic says wide receiver. Logic just straight up says Eagles are drafting a wide receiver. They have other needs on the roster. Cesar Ruiz is someone that I've read that they like a lot as well, much like Dallas. So just despite Dallas, if they don't take him at 17, maybe they just take him there at 21. The Eagles did that last year. Yes, Jason Kelsey's coming back, but there's a high chance he retires next year. The Eagles did this last year. They drafted Andre Dillard. They traded up above the Houston Texans, who were going to take Dillard, who ended up taking Tyus Howard. He had a weird year last year, but... Dillard didn't start right away. Jason Peters was there. Peters is gone now. Dillard's going to slot in. It's like a coaching thing. 
get Caesar Ruiz there and move him in after Kelsey leaves next year. You got two young offensive linemen to learn from two of the best in the game in Kelsey and Peters. So there's an option. I think linebacker's an option here. Obviously, secondary's an option here, but I don't think they'll be looking at that in the first round. I think it's going to be a wide receiver or maybe an edge rusher. We'll have to see. If they get in Ngakwe or not, it's not going to be an edge rusher, obviously. But we'll have to see. Logic says wide receiver. They need uh, they need options out wide. Carson Wentz threw for 4,000 yards uh, through, what was it, no receivers had over 500 yards receiving. I think Zach Ertz led the team in receiving, and then it was – uh, who was it? Was it Boston Scott was second on the team in receiving? I don't think that that doesn't sound right, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe Miles Sanders. I don't know, but that's the options there for Philly at number 22, Minnesota, formerly of the Buffalo Bills with Diggs gone. I think the Vikings, I agree with Daniel Jeremiah on this. I think the Vikings will go corner receiver in whatever order it is. They'll go corner first or corner first receiver first. Corner second, receiver second. I don't know. I think that's what they're going to do. Maybe they go off the line here. Maybe they go edge rusher. It's a lot. They're Everson Griffin, there's a chance he comes back, but it's not looking very likely. And so Epineza could be a pick here. Yatir Grossmanos could be a pick. But I think corner and wide receiver, the two team, the team's pressing needs. Because outside of Adam Thielen, uh, they don't have a lot of weapons outside. They had a lot of injuries last year outside. So... I think wide receivers here. If Justin Jefferson's available at 22, the Vikings will jump all over that. They might even trade up. But I think what's going to happen here, I think Jalen Johns, geez, from Utah is an option here. Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney are also options here, but I think that'd be more at the 25th pick than the 22nd pick. And then Denzel Mims would provide a lot of speed on the outside for the Minnesota Vikings. Very fast wide receiver, very good vertical threat, as most Baylor receivers are. The only problem is, the route tree that they run at Baylor always concerns teams with wide receivers. You look at like Corey Coleman, they struggle adapting because the route they don't run a lot of routes. They run a lot of verts. Got a lot of speed down there at Baylor, but they're not really developed route runners at Baylor, which is a concern for Mims. So maybe Brandon Ayuk is there. Uh, T. Higgins from Clemson's kind of fallen off some teams' draft boards because he didn't have a great pro day. So we'll see what they do there. But wide receiver corner at 22-25 there for the Vikings, Patriots. Uh, cornerback or quarterback, trade back, trade up, or edge rusher. Because I lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy went to Miami. Uh, Jamie Collins went to Detroit with the, the Detroit Patriots. And so they're going to need someone there. Trey Flowers also went to Detroit last year. So maybe Ebenezer comes in. Patriots have never been a team that focuses a lot on the combine as you look at throughout their draft history. Don't focus a lot on what you did at the combine, more what you did on the football field. That's what Epineza is. Not a, did not do great at the combine. Had a very bad combine. Heard his draft stuck a lot in the combine, but he would fit in nice with his Patriots. I mean, Zach Bond is another option here. I think ver- his versatility would be perfect for Bill Belichick's defenses. Uh, I think Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray could be options there as well. I think they'll go defense. More than anything, I think Jake Fromm is the prototypical Patriots quarterback. I think he's the perfect guy to replace Tom Brady in New England. That's what my gut's telling me anyway. So I think Jake Fromm to New England would be option. But Justin Herbert might be an option there as well. Or Tua, whatever happens. It's going to be crazy. Uh, New Orleans Saints, quarterback. I think it's Jordan Love. That's what my gut is telling me. I think the Saints love Love. Get him behind Breeze. Learn the system. Come in. 
take the starting job next year, keep Taysom Hill in it as like that alternate thing. The thing was with the Taysom Hill Lamar Jackson comparison. This is the thing that's annoying about it. Is the um what do you want to call it? Uh when and uh I think it was Ryan Clark brought this up on ESPN the other day. It was if he was Lamar Jackson, he would have gone in when Breeze got hurt, not Teddy Bridgewater. There's a reason the Saints haven't put him in as a quarterback. They can keep saying all they want that he's a quarterback. I don't think they view him as their franchise quarterback. They can say it as many times as they want. That's true. If he went in, or if he if Breeze got hurt and they actually viewed him as the next quarterback, they would actually give him chances to play quarterback. But they didn't. They gave it to Teddy, and Teddy now signed a nice little contract with the Panthers. He's not Lamar Jackson. I think Jordan Love would be perfect for what Sean Payton does. Maybe he could – Sean Payne's a smart guy. Maybe he could change his offense like Harbaugh and get Taysom Hill in there and have him do stuff. But I think Jordan Love's the guy they look at because they don't have a lot of holes on their roster. I think linebacker could be a shout here, and I think wide receiver as well for the Saints at 24. Uh, we're going to skip the Vikings at 25 because we already pretty much said what they're going to do. Miami at 26. I think it's a lineman. If they don't draft a lineman at 18, it's going to be right here at 26. If not, look for a running back possibly. Maybe an edge rusher. Look at that. I know they signed Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy in free agency, but look out for someone else there as well. I think mostly linemen here for the Dolphins here at 26. Seattle, trade back or an edge rusher. They need an edge rusher super bad. Their sack was terrible last year. They signed, they drafted LJ Collier last year, signed, traded for Jadavian Clowney, and still had the second worst pass rush in the entire league last year. That shouldn't happen. I think they also go off to line here. Get Austin Jackson from USC, I think, would fit their system. And they're they're just not – I don't get the Seahawks. Like, how do you get those two guys that still have a terrible pass rush? I think Yatir Gross-Miles would fit the Seahawks. I think uh, Kalevon Chison would fit what they're doing as well. But will he be available at 27? I don't know. That's the thing we're going to have to look at there for the Seahawks. Who's available here? And – if there's a quarterback available, like if Love falls, look for the Colts to trade up back in the first round with the Seahawks or the Packers from number 30 trade up to number 27. Or we could just see the Packers trade up to number 27 anyways and get a linebacker. So they lost Blake Martinez, which was a big loss for them. Does everything for the Packers on defense. Trade up in front of the Ravens who could be looking for a linebacker as well. That could be an option here. Seahawks look for a trade back, edge rusher, or outside shot off the tackle Ravens I think it's a linebacker um they've needed one since CJ Mosley left that's like their only hole in their offense uh, defense I think edge rushers a shout here too because they lost Zadarius Smith the Packers and Terrell Suggs in the same offseason they have Matthew Judon but I think they could get someone else to partner him so edge or linebacker for the Ravens there the Titans um it's gonna be off to linemen or someone on defense I think Christian Fulton is a very good shout here for the Tennessee Titans here at number 29. Marlon Davidson's been constantly mocked the di- the Titans here. I think uh, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia is building up steam towards the draft, could jump back into the first round as a tackle. Austin Jackson could be a shout here as well. Titans could do a couple things. They lost Jack Conklin to Cleveland in free agency, so they got a hole there. So we'll have to wait and see what they do, but it's they're, gonna, they're a mystery team. They're, the Titans are a mystery team. The Packers... I think it's going to be either if a quarterback's available, I don't think they'll trade up that far to get a quarterback if they want one. So 
depends on who falls, uh, could be quarterback or wide receiver, linebacker, or off to tackle. Because Brian Bulaga from Iowa, Brian Bulaga, Iowa, is now with the LA Chargers. So now you got a hole there on the right side. You got David Bakhtiari, one of the, if not the best left tackle in all the NFL, but you don't have a left, you don't have a right one. So get a guy like Isaiah Wilson could fit. Austin Jackson, Josh Jones, if he's available. Ezra Cleveland, if he's somehow available, could go there at number 30. So I think, again, I think the Browns are going to take him. Um, linebackers a shout here, but wide receivers a big need. They only have one guy that Rodgers trusts, and that's Devontae Adams. They lost Jimmy Graham, and or didn't lose him. They let him go to Chicago, and I think he likes Alan Lazard, but I don't think he really trusts anybody outside other than Adams. So get someone that he can trust, but also keep an eye on a quarterback and linebacker here for the Packers. 31, the 49ers, they're trading out. I do not have them picking at, at here at 31 at all. I don't think they'll pick anybody here. They have no second-round picks. I don't know if they have any third-round picks. Do they have any third-round picks? I'm going to scroll down my Wikipedia page. Um, No, they do not. They have no third and no second-round picks. So what I'm doing right now, I don't if you guys can't see, because obviously can't, I got my Wikipedia page up of the NFL draft. I'm just... Reading off team, I'm leaning back in my rocking chair. I got this blue squishy rocking chair. I'm just lounged back with this foldable table, and I got my microphone sitting on my chest, just talking, looking at teams on on Wikipedia. And I'm just sitting. I'm not even really. I'm just looking around the room, staring at this Jeff Gordon figurine we have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I, the, yeah, the 49ers have no second or third round picks. Trade out. It's gonna happen. And the Chiefs, uh, corner. Uh, running back or interior offensive lineman. That's what I think is going to happen here. There was some report they're going to trade up for Henry Ruggs, but I don't see that happening at all. He would fit in perfectly to what they do. Imagine him with Hardman and Hill. Ugh, with Patrick Mahomes. That's not fair. You can't do that. That's illegal. I, uh, uh, Goodell should pull David Stern and X that. that. That's not allowed to happen. You guys are not allowed to have Tyreek Hill Nicole Hardman and Henry Ruggs. That's illegal. You cannot do that. So I think the Chiefs just stay there, uh, take a lineman, running back, or corner. I think those are their biggest needs on their team. So we'll see what they do there. And yeah, that is what I think each team will do here in the 2020 NFL draft. Again, draft takes place this Thursday on all. The networks, ESPN and NFL Network are doing a joint broadcast. You can watch on ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, ESPN Deportes, and listen to it on ESPN Radio. Again, draft starts on the 23rd this Thursday, and the will end on the 25th. I'm excited. I'm very, very, very excited. I love the draft is my favorite time of the year. I love the NFL draft. Outside of, like, games and stuff, I love the NFL draft. I love doing mock drafts. I love talking about the draft. It is a freaking blast every single year. I get stressed out, though, on draft day. So I want my I want my stuff to be absolutely perfect. But I know it's not going to, but I stress myself so out so much that I think it's going to be perfect every single time, but it's not going to be. But, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. So hopefully you all enjoyed this quarantined edition of the Logan Blackman show. We'll come back on Wednesday, do the same thing. 
and I the the start of the show is a little rusty. I, I bet you could tell. I was stumbling over my words a little bit at the beginning, uh, but I felt the rest of the show went very very smooth. I got back in my rhythm. I haven't done a show since March, March 9th, before spring break. That that was the last Monday before school got canceled. The Monday before spring break, I didn't know I this was a a test run pretty much. Um, but if you made it this far, thank you for listening all the way through. This was a little longer too. I kind of, t- I didn't have my, I, so I'm doing this on audacity. I haven't had my audacity thing pulled up the entire time. And I just now opened it and it's at two hours and eight minutes. And that kind of, st- that's long. And I don't have a lot of editing out to do. I talked more on this one than I have on any show I've done ever. Like I talked for two hours. This isn't like, like in the show that's on Spotify right now and SoundCloud there's music in there. There was no music in here other than the stuff I'm going to add in later. I talked for two hours and eight minutes. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> well, that's all I got for you today here on this uh, Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll talk about the NFL draft a little bit more, preview it more in full, give my official mock draft. We'll probably do it live because I don't know if I'm going to stress myself out to do it out through the day. So, we'll have to see how that goes. But again, drafts on Thursday. We have a big thing planned for you on Thursday, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, Go watch the Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel. Go follow all the social media accounts at the underscore LB underscore show. This is the show's Twitter account, at Logan underscore Blackman. It's my personal Twitter account. Go follow the Instagram account, Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Go like the Facebook page as well. Go follow the SoundCloud and Spotify. I'm going to post this on both today. And, yeah, go to the website, do all that stuff. And that's all I've got for you today. So I hope you all enjoyed the revision of the Logan Blackman Show. We are back. And I appreciate all of you for listening if you made it all the way through. I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.